this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Thiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. Mike Brown. Hi, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from American Picks. What kind of music was that? <laughs> okay, excuse me, Jacob. I'm trying to produce a show here. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. We are going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 44 font versus Aldo fight card. We're going to talk about our picks, our bets, our DraftKings plays, our monkey knife fight picks, and we're going to give you every little bit of information that we have to set you up for success before we do anything go to wewantpicks.com slash bets we now have five that's right five betting partners we have added my bookie and bovada jump into any one of the five make a deposit let me know and i will send you fifty dollars as a thank you if you've already signed up for one sign up for another make a deposit let me know i'll send you 50 bucks cash app paypal venmo however you want it it is literally that simple. We are riding the wildest win streak in the history of win streaks. I have not lost a single dollar on bets in, I think we're on month number seven now. Let's keep this train rolling. Jacob, I don't know why you're laughing at that incredible intro. We get our, our friends in the MMA community to do that. You're just laughing at it? What a joke. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. I'm laughing at the music. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? We're moving on. We're doing the show. So Thank let's God. Go. First up, at UFC Vegas 44, we have Luis Smoka versus Vince Morales. Luis Smoka, 17-7 and seven overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Vince Morales, 10-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, coming off a solid win over Draco Rodriguez. Luis Smoka has a deceiving record because if you dig into his losses – they're against really good guys. His two most recent losses are submissions to Casey Kenny and Matt Schnell. He primarily is a striker, but has clean boxing, a solid pace, and great footwork. He's honestly similar to Clay Guido, who we're going to break down a little later, in that his feet are always moving. He's got a decent four to three striking differential and averages a surprising two takedowns per fight. And I say surprising because everybody's got him pegged as a striker. You dig in a little deeper, you watch some of these fights, you look at the stats, and you realize he works in his grappling really, really well. Vince Morales, a decent striker. He has okay boxing, but he makes up for any of his technical gaps with forward pressure and volume. Like Luis, he is always moving, always working something. But unlike Luis, he has legit power in his hands. He does tend to go to it a little too often. Uh, this is a really fun fight to start the card, uh, to come back after a week off. Luis Smoka has volume, pressure, and takedowns, but not a ton of power. Vince has legit power and an actual wrestling background. Of the two of them, Vince is the actual wrestler. He wrestled in high school. He had some success there. Uh, Luis did not, but Luis uses his takedowns in his fight. I mentioned he averages two takedowns per fight. Vince Morales' averages point two takedowns per fight. So I'm going to go with Luis Smoka here. I see him avoiding the big shots, 
working in wrestling, outpacing to a win. Vince is going to try to lean on the power a little too much. I think he'll start to be a step behind on the strikes because of that. And honestly, even if Vince connects with his power, uh, Luis has an incredible chin, and I think he'll just push through, keep up the pace, stick and move, make it work, wrestle, ride out a win. What do you think, Jakey? Yeah, my Hawaiians, baby. We finally got another Hawaiian on the card. Uh, I, I love my Hawaiians. They're tough. You mentioned the guy's never been finished. I do want to note uh, Jill in the live chat uh, asked if Smoka has a drinking problem. One of the reasons um, that she probably asked that was because Smoka – uh, was honest with himself and actually stopped drinking in 2018 because he realized it was affecting his training. And if you look at his record since 2018, um, you know, he's, he's doing really, really well. And he's moved at the, up to the position from uh, flyweight to bantamweight. I will say there is something interesting with this fight. I was listening to his Luis Smoka um, interview. So Luis Smoka trains most of the time in a, a Southern California gym. And one of his good training partners is Ricky Simone, right? Turns out Ricky Simone, his cousin, is Vince Morales. So he mentioned Luis Smoke, uh, Smoke has said that this is kind of an uncomfortable position. He's hoping everyone will be professionals about it. He understands that Ricky, you know, can't really divulge information. He's hoping Ricky doesn't divulge any information to Vince. So it's kind of a weird situation, but I, I agree. I, I think I like Smoke in this matchup. I think the big, uh, the big, uh, the most important thing for him in this fight is in the grappling exchanges, in the wrestling, he has to end up on top because sometimes he will uh, pull guard. He will get in those situations where he's going to use jiu-jitsu from the bottom. But you mentioned Vince as a wrestler will control those positions. He cannot He cannot do that. Uh, Luis Smoka uh, was a 5-1 to one favorite against Brandon Moreno. It was Brandon Moreno's UFC debut, and he actually lost that fight. He's a 5-1 to one favorite to Brandon Moreno. That's another, another uh, interesting fact for you. Uh, I'm going Luis Smoka in this matchup. I think he needs to use his wrestling, but he, gotta, he has to end up on top. Vince Morales, a wrestler, but only a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, I think that's uh, Luis's uh, easiest path to victory is to grapple, make sure you're in top position, and just and just work your jujitsu from there. So I like Luis Smoka in this matchup, but not by a, a ton. Yeah, I'm actually pretty confident in Luis. I, like I said, I think his volume uh, and the fact that he does work in in wrestling, even though I mentioned Vince is the actual wrestler, Luis works in really well. I, I it's the first bet, and honestly, so I'm riding that wild bet streak. Haven't lost a single dollar in a very very long time, almost a full year, seven months, whatever it is. I put a, a unit on Luis Smoka money line, and it might be the week off. I, I actually have a little more bets than I normally do this week, but I, I just like, you know, Vince obviously has a path to victory, but Luis has the chin. He's got volume. He works in the wrestling. So even if Vince has that heavy power, I, Luis Smoka's chin holds up, man. So, um, you know, I, I like him to win. I think he gets it done. What do you think of DraftKings? I think 8500 bucks is a fair price. I think it's a high-paced fight. I don't necessarily think there's a stoppage, but, you know, $8,500, that's, that's basically smack in the middle. What do you think about either one of these guys' prices? I could see Smoker getting a sub-win, so $8,500 is, is definitely interesting. The only thing I'm worried about, like I said, is, is Vince's wrestling because Luis doesn't really defend takedowns, right, because he's comfortable on the ground. So yeah. if you start shooting at his legs, sometimes he'll just try and grab your neck, and then all of a sudden you're getting controlled. So uh, I don't love him at $8,500, but I could see chasing some points there. Yeah, I'll have to see. You know, it's a 14-fight card right now. They just added a fight, so it'll end up being 15 when it's all said and done. So, you know, I'll, I'll see. I do like him to win. I have a, a one-unit money line. I got it at minus 150, so I didn't get the best odds, but that line is moving what do you think of the monkey knife fight strike line? A lot of you people 
you people. A lot of people have been asking what Monkey Knife Fight is because we have a lot of new viewers every week. It's Daily Fantasy. They put up strike lines. You're just looking at them on the screen. These are live right now. You can go to weonpicks.com slash MKF. Click sign up. Start to play Monkey Knife Fight. They'll give you a deposit match. Basically, they're strike lines, and you say more or less, and you can triple your money depending on what you play. I think this is a more and more. I do think they go at it. Both pretty good volume. You know, 84 is a real high line, but but um, I think it's more and more. What do you think? 100% agree. All right. More and more. Weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up for one of the five betting partners. Make a deposit. Reach out to me. Let me know, and I'll send you $50 as a thank you. It's literally that simple. We're just handing out money. Next up, at UFC Vegas 44, we have Alex Morono versus Mickey Gall. Alex Morono, 20-7 and seven overall, 3-2 and two in his last five. Mickey Gall, 7-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Alex Morono is interesting because if you watch his tape, he is fantastic. Nice, clean striking, solid grappling. His body always seems to be in the right place. His footwork is solid. And he does everything he's supposed to do. But then you'll watch some other fights, and all of a sudden, he's a step behind. He's a step back. He's making poor decisions. His body is not where he's supposed to be. He's a very hot and cold fighter. Uh, He worked over Donald Cerrone recently on short notice. Um, David Zawada a few months ago. That was a nice win. Um, But then we've seen him completely outclassed to lesser opponents than both David Zawada and Donald Cerrone. Um, yeah, he's a bit inconsistent. When he's on, he is on. Mickey Gall, pretty good grappler. He's got submissions both off his back and on top if he initiates the takedowns. He feels very raw, and I mentioned this when we did our early preview. If Mickey Gall didn't come into the UFC, basically just to fight CM Punk, if he was able to stay on the regional scene a little longer, develop his skills, not get thrown into the fire immediately... I think Mickey Gall would be very, very good because what's happened, I feel like, is he was improving, improving, immediately got to the UFC, beat CM Punk, and then he was kind of thrown in there. And he doesn't necessarily have the time to improve because he's too busy preparing for big fight after big fight where he could benefit from a little bit of downtime and just work his skills because he is athletic. He's got good pressure. When he gets on top, he hammers away. He only has a 28% takedown accuracy. But again, when he gets on top, really solid pressure. His stand-up is not great, um, but, you know, he's an athletic guy, and he does get some of these wins. He's coming off that nice win uh, just a few months ago. Honestly, this is a a pretty straightforward pick for me, though. I think Morono is the more well-rounded fighter. I think he's literally better everywhere. Uh, If this was a few months ago before I just mentioned that uh, Mickey beat Jordan Williams, this would be, yeah, I'd be betting the house on Alex Morono, but... Mickey Gall showed some signs of life in that. He showed some improvements. That was a nice win over Jordan Williams. And he really does have a path in this fight. I do see Morono as the better striker, the better wrestler, the better grappler. The stats tell that exact same story. Mickey Gall literally has a negative striking differential of two to three. He lands two strikes and gets hit with three in return, um, where Alex Morono lands more than five and is hit less than four. Pretty clear pick. I'm going with Morono here. The line's a little too wide for me. You know, Mickey Gall could potentially pull off an upset, but uh, pretty straightforward pick. What do you think, Jakey? Uh, I like Mickey Gall, backup lock of the week, uh, plus 180. I'll probably take some action on that. I think the $9,500 is – if if you're spending $9,500 
on Moreno. That is unreal because I don't think he, he even admitted before he admitted that he hopes that this is a kickboxing match, right? So the, the value in Moreno would be, I guess, to maybe knock out Mickey Gall. But I think Mickey Gall is going to come in and just shoot, 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 shoot. And Alex Moreno says he doesn't really want to grapple. He's a, like a second-degree black belt, so he can do it. But he says he doesn't really want to do it in, in fights. So I don't think he's going to be shooting takedowns. And if you look at some of his last fights, he's been taken down, right? He's taken down three or four times versus Mean, taken down two of two times versus Kita. So Mickey Gall, while he's not you know, the, the best wrestler, he was a high school wrestler, I think the key for him here is he's got to initiate the takedowns and he's got to end up in top position. If you get Mickey Gall on top of you, I know Moreno is a second-degree black belt, but sometimes in MMA grappling and MMA wrestling, um, it's a little bit different. Mickey Gall, he showed that aggression in the Jordan Williams fight. I think he brings that aggression again. You really didn't see that aggression since the CM Punk fight, and I think it was the first time since that CM Punk fight where he really felt he was a better fighter. I think he goes into this fight thinking he is a better fighter, thinking he, knowing he is the better grappler. You know, that's to be decided, but I think he knows that he's a better grappler. Um, and I think he, he initiates the takedowns. I think he gets it, and I, I think he works him from the ground. So I like Mickey Gall in this matchup in the, in the upset. Um, but if this stays standing, if Mickey Gall cannot get those takedowns, um, he's going to be in a world of hurt because Alex Moreno, like you said, does have the striking uh, behind him. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take Mickey Gall on the, on the backup lock of the week. He had the big lock of the week last time, um, and I feel pretty confident about it. Yeah, you did have credit to you. You did have Mickey Gall over Jordan Williams, which he was a good size underdog there. I completely agree. So Alex Morono is a pretty straightforward pick for me. I'm not spending $9,500 in DraftKings. That's absurd. $9,500 is like, I, I think the most we've ever seen is 96. So you're saying he's a Mana Nunez level favorite here. There's absolutely no way that pricing is way too wide. Not going to happen. There may be some value on Mickey Gall at 6,700. I, I actually think Alex is the better grappler too because Mickey Gall, if he gets on top, has really good pressure, but you know, 28% takedown accuracy. And he shoots a lot of takedowns. It's not like it's 28%, um, you know, and he's shooting when he shouldn't or he's chain wrestling, which will go against your stats. Those are just single takedowns. He's just not hitting them. But what do you think of the monkey knife fight line? 86 strikes for Morono, 48 for Mickey Gall. It's probably one of those ones where it's this depends on how you think think the fight's gonna go, right? If 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 you think Alex is gonna throw more than or land more than 87, he's probably gonna win the fight. So if you think it's gonna be a standing fight, you probably play the more and more. Um if you look at my angle, I'd probably play the the less less because I think Mickey Gall just goes for a takedown and tries to get a sub. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this line. This may be a less more situation, and they both end up with like 80, 75, something like that. I do think it's somewhat competitive i just think alex Moreno will be a step ahead the entire time so i don't know what i'm gonna do with that monkey knife fight line let us know in the live chat or the comments what you think about that monkey knife fight line we'll go from there go to weonpicks.com bets we have five different betting partners now jump into any one of them make a deposit let me know i'll send you 50 bucks hell you could do that with all five and i'll send you what's that math 250 bucks sign up let me know and we'll go from there Next up, at UFC Vegas 44, we have a sort of last-minute, late replacement, Jared Vandera versus Azamat Merzikhanov. Azamat Merzikhanov, 10-0, 5-0 in his last five, making his official UFC debut. Jared Vandera, 12-6 overall, 3-2 in his last five, coming off of that beating that he took uh, where he was just 
on the wrong side of that fight, and that is what it is. Azmat Murazakhanov is not the biggest heavyweight in the division, but he makes up for his physical stature with legit power. He is fast. He is heavy-handed. He is a good wrestler with solid ground and pound, but his hands are so good that he does not go to his wrestling very often. Jared Vandera built his career on his grappling until his fight with Justin Taffa, where he turned into a volume striker. And now that he's a striker, he's got a long jab, solid distance control, clean striking overall, in addition to his size, and he still has that wrestling. People keep forgetting that he has that wrestling background because they've just seen his UFC fights, didn't do any research before his UFC fights, and oh, I guess he's a striker. Well, the reality is he hasn't showcased his wrestling in the UFC because he's been matched up against two wrestling beasts so far. The dude's had four fights under the UFC banner. Two of them were against savage wrestlers, and the other two that weren't, he beat the hell out of them. So um, he's one for one on his takedown attempts in the UFC, so he hasn't attempted that many. But honestly, this is a hard pick. These odds are baffling to me. If Jared was a career-long striker, I would put more stock into the fact that he has a nine-inch reach advantage in this fight, but he doesn't use his length well enough for that to be a major factor. It is a factor, but it's not as big of a deal as everybody else is making it to be. He has volume. He can stay on the outside, go back to his roots and wrestle. The issue is that Azamat will be live for a knockout at any moment, and he also has good wrestling if he decides to use it. I do like Jared here. He is my pick, but I am super nervous. The only place my money is going on this fight is I'm doing over the one and a half round line. And you could bet the money line for uh, plus 180 on Jared, or for plus 140, you can get the over on the round line. So I like over one and a half rounds plus 140. Um, and I'll take that instead of a money line on Jared because he could potentially get knocked out. But one and a half rounds, I, I see it cruising past that, no problem. What do you think, Jakey? Uh, yeah, quick question um, uh, with, uh, in regards to Jared. Are you being serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. The dude is a giant. He has wrestling. He's got the striking. All he has to do is avoid the big power speed punches from Azamat. But again... I'm not confident enough to put my money on Jared, but I do. I am confident enough to put my money on over one and a half rounds. Yeah, I put my money on uh, Azamat, and I actually got him at minus one seventy-two. And in my mind, he should be a three or four to one favorite. Uh, in my notes, I just have: Can Jared survive? That's the I, that's the only way I, I, I see this fight going. Can he survive, Azmat? First of all, let me get to Azmat for a second because his very first fight, his very first professional fight. He got a first round knockout in 10 seconds and didn't fight again for five years. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. If I got a 10 second knockout, I would be fighting the very next week thinking I could knock. He didn't fight for five more years and then got a 20 second knockout in his second fight. So um, the guy's got power and you mentioned he's got wrestling, but he doesn't really use it. In my notes, I have he dumps you to kill you, meaning if you're hurt. You're up against the fence. He will dump your legs and he will TKO you on the ground. He didn't really go to offensively to to um to like uh, win rounds or anything like that. He'll he'll just kind of you know use his, his striking. And if he guys has you hurt, then he'll dump you. Then he'll get on top of you and actually absolutely TKO you. I will note too, his nickname is the Professional, 
And he is like the most stained up guy in the world. There was one fight where a guy, uh, he checked the guy's kick and you could tell the guy was like limping. Like, I don't know if he broke his foot or whatever. Instead of jumping on him, as Matt looked at him, and was like, you still want to go? And the guy was like, yeah, let's go ahead and keep fighting. He goes, okay. And then just like lead uppercut, knocked him out. Um, so he is a professional in there. Listen, Jared, you mentioned the wrestling against Romanov. He was taken down five of seven times, absolutely controlled. I think the path to victory for Azmat um, is is anywhere he wants it, right? He's going to win the striking if he wants to win the striking. If he wants to wrestle, I think he's probably going to out-wrestle Jared. Uh, maybe Jared can sneak in, you know, get that offensive wrestling going, and Azmat off his back. You never really know what happens there. Maybe, you know, all these first-round finishes. He doesn't look like a guy that would gas, but, you know, he's never really been in those deep, deep waters. So Jared can bring him there. I could see where you can come through on, on, on your bet or your, uh, I guess not your bet, but your your pick here with Jared, but I, I just think Azamat absolutely dominates this fight. Getting him at 172 was an absolute steal. Uh, I love that bet. I'm, I'm not usually a guy that bets on favorites, and I, I just love that 172. So um, you got minus 172, minus 172. So I, I think these odds are going to keep pushing closer to three to one. Um, you know, I, I like Azamat all the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're you're I, everything you're saying is accurate. Um, I like Jared. Just there's a lot of random factors here, but again. My money picks don't really matter, right? Your money matters, but my money is over one and a half rounds. And you mentioned the Romanov fight. At Romanov, a massive tank of a wrestler who has power in his hands, not a great striker, but massive tank of a wrestler. I bet the over one and a half on that, and I hammered that too. They blew past one and a half rounds. That actually went quite a while before Jared had enough. But Jared's big, tough, and in this fight, he'll be massive. So, He's going to be like, a bigger guy. I actually think that that favors Azamat because Azamat is a, a striker. You mentioned, I think he was a, a light heavyweight that's now fighting at heavyweight, but he is bouncy on his toes, in and out. And I think Jared's going to have a real issue with uh, with that speed. So uh, we'll could. see what happens. He could. I, I'm, I'm still good with over one and a half. Jared's a tough guy. Uh, we, and he's been in there. The poor guy's had a pretty hard go at it, especially for a heavyweight uh, in the UFC. But, um, you know, I like the one and a half the over there that's a that's a confident bet at least for this fight with some plus money you get plus 140 on that so i'm not going to mess with plus 180 on jared when i can just worry about the rounds we on picks.com slash bets five different partners i got the plus 140 at my bookie we on picks.com slash bets click on my bookie make a deposit let me know i will send you 50 bucks cash app paypal venmo however you want it we do not have DraftKings prices or monkey night fight lines yet because this fight is honestly brand new. I think yesterday they announced it, maybe Sunday night. So I kind of wish they already assigned him DraftKings based on the previous odds because it feels like these odds are going to keep growing apart and he's going to end up being like $9,400, but we'll see what happens. It, it's funny because so uh, Jer's replacing Felipe Linz and he actually came right in. The odds basically stayed the same. So uh, it's, it was a like for like kind of swap, but yeah, I imagine. Even though it's a two to one favorite, they're gonna price Asmat like ninety six hundred bucks or something absurd. I guarantee they will. And in that case, maybe I'll explore Jared and DraftKings, but we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC Vegas forty four, we have a Claudio Puelas versus Chris Grootsmacher. Claudio Puelas ten and two overall, four and one in his last five, riding a three fight win streak. Chris Grootsmacher is 15 and four overall two and three in his last five coming off of that gritty win over rafa garcia claudio puelas 
is coming off a decision win over Jordan Levitt after a long layoff. He's only 25 years old and has a good amount of experience. He's a grappler who uses kicks to keep the distance, and he's never out of a fight. We saw that with Felipe Silva, where he was on his way to a decision loss before snatching up a mini bar. Uh, he averages over three takedowns per fight, but he does have a negative striking differential of almost one to two. So he has hit twice as much as he hits his opponent. Chris Grutzmacher is coming off a nice win against Rafa Garcia. He showed grit. He showed toughness. He showed will. Uh, he is a striker. He uses his hands really well, and he likes to fight inside the pocket. He's a powerful guy, but he does rely on his power and his toughness uh, and is striking to some extent because he does not wrestle well or often. He has zero takedown attempts in his last eight fights, uh, or zero takedowns in his last eight fights. This is another tough fight to call. This entire card is tough fights with live underdogs, top to bottom. Uh, it's easy for everyone to pull up records and see that all of Grootsmacher's losses are by stoppage and then declare, oh, he's soft. But isn't that the exact trap that everybody fell into when he fought Rafa Garcia? Literally everybody. Oh, Chris Grootsmacher's a bum. Every fight he loses, it's by stoppage. Rafa's going to win. Rafa's going to stop him. Everybody fell into that trap. And then Chris showed exactly how tough he is. And that's not how that fight went down at all. So, listen, Chris is big. He's strong. He's powerful. He does have good volume. And he's a real threat. Uh, we saw how tough he was in the last fight. The reason this is a hard pick is because Puelas has that miserable striking differential. And Grootsmacher does have power and volume. But Puelas can grapple. And we've seen Grootsmacher get handled in some of those matchups, which is why this is a pick uh with the amount of takedowns claudio attempts i i have to go with him to end up on top but may i i really wish gutzmacher was a medium underdog here because i would scoop him up in a second so i like poilus he's the pick i think he'll work in the wrestling and gutzmacher's got a pretty big hole as far as the wrestling defense and those matchups but he's got power in his hands he's got volume he showed how tough he is he's not the pushover Everybody declared him. Everybody who just reads topology and makes picks off of that without doing any research. He's not that pushover, but his wrestling defense is not great. And I think that's the difference here. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I was one of those people that that picked Rafa to, to beat Chris. And honestly, Rafa looked good in the first round. And it was more, I think that was more about Rafa beating himself than, than Chris beating Rafa, right? Because he just absolutely gassed in those second and third rounds and, and looked awful. Uh, he was five or 12 takedowns against Chris. Uh, if, if you're looking at, Asking my opinion about Chris and his takedown defense. If you get him against the cage, he's very hard to take down, right? The five of 12 takedowns, a lot of those were Rafa um, open open mat with trips and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's the key to this fight. I think if Claudio, I think he should wrestle and that's his path to victory. But if he's trying to wrestle against the cage, he could gas, man. We saw, we saw that with Rafa. And actually, we saw that with uh, Jordan Levitt in his fight against Jordan Levitt, right? So I picked Jordan Levitt against that fight. Jordan was taking everybody down, submitting everybody. Um, and looked, you know, decent in the first round and then absolutely gassed and looked like Claudio absolutely embarrassed Jordan uh, on the ground where Jordan didn't even look like he knew what he was doing. And this guy's not an accomplished wrestler, but he's a very good grappler uh, and wrestler in, in his own right. So, you know, 
there was a there was a a quote that he mentioned in an interview where one of his coaches told him, "Hey, you can't wrestle for 15 minutes straight. You're going to kill yourself." And he said, "I knew that going into the Jordan fight, and I knew there was a point in that fight where Jordan just broke. He just out wrestled himself and couldn't do any more. And that's when I knew I could take over. So it's going to be interesting if he comes in with a wrestle game plan. If he kind of puts off the wrestling, or if he tries to go all in at once." Um, there is, um, he did also mention he's been working with, uh, Rafael Fiziev. So that's a, one of the you know better strikers in UFC. So we'll see if his, his striking has improved at, at all, but I think the path to victory is easy for Claudio is, is get those takedowns. Don't gas yourself against the fence takedowns. If it's not there, you know, reset, you know, go back, go back in for an open mat takedown, something like that. Um, because if you get in a striking exchange with Chris, he's got that power. You could find yourself in some trouble. So I, I think Claudio is, uh, the pick here. Um, but he's, he's got to get those takedowns and they got to be open mat takedowns. Otherwise they're going to be really, really hard to get. Yeah. And I saw some books where this fight was dead. Even obviously the, the lines fluctuate throughout the day and on different books. So, uh, it, it is a closer matchup than a lot of people are saying. I, the odds are actually pretty close, but I, I've heard some people just talk about how this is going to be a murder and Chris Kutzmacher sucks, which I just don't see that. And a few of you commented that Chris doesn't look like this anymore. Our images come from the UFC website. So that's, that's, that's what they have. So that's what we have. What do you think about DraftKings? It's basically a pick em, So I'm at, honestly, whatever side you're on is probably a decent side. Yeah, these are usually you want one of these guys in your lineup, right? That $82, $8,000. You know, if you feel real good about someone in the, at that value, that's, that's really good value. And uh, I would honestly, I would consider Claudio because he also, to take a kind of a page out of Dan's uh, uh, notebook here, he's only 25 years old and these guys improve very, very quickly. And he actually mentioned he moved to the USA. Um, he actually mentioned how he, he misses his family like crazy, but he's a young guy that dedicated himself. He moved to the USA. He's at a good camp, Sanford MMA. I think he's going to be more than ready. I actually like him at the $8,000 value. Yeah, he's probably the better play. Uh, Chris will be live for a knockout potentially, but um, you know, Claudio is probably the better play. He's cheaper, 8,000 bucks. This is a pick em. We want picks.com slash bets. Five different partners jump in. I saw one of you comment about BetUS. BetUS is one of the five partners. I personally like them. I've had no problem with drawing money. All you need is a crypto wallet, and your money can come and go as you please instantly. And BetUS, they have the best customer service. When you log in and make a deposit, they give you a toll-free number and a dedicated agent. So you can literally call that toll-free number 24-7 if you have an issue with a bet, a question about how to use the site, whatever it is, you will get a human being on that phone after calling an 800 number. Love the customer service. We on picks.com slash bets. Jump in, sign up, make a deposit with any one of the five. Let me know after you do, and I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. What do you think of the monkey knife fight line? Sorry, I forgot to ask about that. I think less more. Probably less more. 122 like is just that. so high. And like it's a deceivingly high because a lot of that came from the Hoffa Garcia fight. And now we know how tough Hoffa Garcia is, too. So, you know, less more, I, I think, is the play. 122 is an insane number. Chris, your line is crazy. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have the fight that is 10 months in the making. We have broken this down. This is the third time breaking this fight down. This has been on and off, on and off many times. COVID on each side of this fight. We have seen them both fight twice since they were supposed to fight each other. Now they're supposed to fight each other. The analysis is a bit different this time around. We have Alonzo Menafield versus William Knight. Alonzo Menafield, 11-2 overall. Three and two in his last five, coming off of that win over veteran Ed Herman. 
William Knight, 10-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of the KO win over Fabio Charant. I mentioned this fight has been booked and rebooked several times. We've seen them both fight since the initial booking. Those fights have changed things for me. I now sort of have a different opinion on how this will go than I did 10 months ago. Alonzo Menafield has great power, great takedown defense, and is looking to take your head off with every single punch. Historically, the knock on him was his cardio, and we've seen him gas in the past, but in his last fight against Ed Herman, he didn't slow down at all. It was a 15-minute decision. He looked great the entire time. He had a good pace. He still had power, still had speed, was still athletic. His takedown defense held up, and now he has cardio He's a legitimate problem if that all holds up in this weight class. William Knight is honestly a pretty similar story. He has incredible power. He's very explosive, and he throws everything with 100% intent. Unlike Alonzo, William never had cardio issues. Also, unlike Alonzo, William will use his wrestling. He has solid wrestling offense in his fight. He averages almost three takedowns per fight, but with only 53% accuracy. So that's a lot of shots, but his cardio holds up. I mentioned I flipped my pick here based on the analysis that was done 10 months ago. Um, Before Alonzo fought Ed Herman, his cardio was a mess. And I knew William could push the pace with his wrestling, exhaust Alonzo, and win from there. But now it seems like Alonzo has buttoned up his cardio. He has fantastic takedown defense at 85%. This is still a really close fight. I think these odds are actually super wide right now. This is a really close fight. Um, because of how incredibly dangerous both these guys are. But Alonzo with cardio, I got to go that side. That's got to be my pick. I'm going against Connecticut here. I'm going Alonzo. I like the cardio. These odds are a bit wide, though. Yeah, I'm going Alonzo too, but he's just got to stay out of the firefights, right? If this, the more technical, the more technical this fight stays, it favors Alonzo because we saw that in the in the um, you know the Schrott fight with William Knight's last fight that. In those exchanges, you could tell he was up, literally, it looked like he was about to get knocked out at any moment because in those exchanges, it's not side to side head movement that you like to see. It was that chin up, straight back. You know, even when he knocked the guy out, he was against the cage, about to run out of room. It felt like uh, Fabio was about to knock him out. And then he just hits him with that little check shot um, and knocks him out. But that, that head movement is not going to be any any good against Alonzo Menafield. Uh, but Alonzo can't get lungy, right? Because a lot of times when you see that head, and you start lunging in. That's what happened with Fabio, and he got knocked out. So this fight needs to stay clean, clean. Just keep your distance. Just piece him apart. Don't go for the knockout, Alonzo, um, and you'll win this fight um, as long as you can defend those takedowns. Uh, but if there's some firefights in here, Williams got the power, and he's got those weird angles that he comes like He's not like a, a normal tactical striker. It's going to look weird. It's going to come at weird angles. I would be Alonzo all the way in this fight if it wasn't for that St. Prue knockout. Because that was exactly yeah. what would happen in this William Knight, right? Because he was dominating that fight. He got a little too aggressive in the pocket, hands a little low, moving forward. And it was just that little check shot uh, by St. Prue that caught him. And if they, if William Knight hits him with that same shot, he's going to fold just the same. So I think Alonzo's a play, um, but he's got to he's got to just say technical, man. He, he can't get into those exchanges. I, I 100% agree. So I, if, if Alonzo did not get knocked out the way he did and isn't fighting somebody with – I mean, I think William Knight has less technical striking, but definitely more power than St. Prue. Like I, you're right. I mean, that's a little, that will always be there as a, as a what if. Um, Josh Locks, you said over 
on rounds. The round line is one and a half. I completely agree. The problem is the bookmakers are onto it. It was like minus 200. I'm never going to spend that. Not not in a fight like this. If it was even money or even minus 110, 120, I would, but not at the close to minus 200, wherever I was that I saw today. DraftKings, listen, Alonzo Menafield, $8,700. I think it's a little overpriced, but he still could be worth it. I, it just, it's tricky because in order to be worth that, he's probably got to get a knockout because winning a decision, he's not going to score a ton of points. Because he's not like a million strikes, not a million takedowns. And and, and, and Alonzo's gotten some takedowns too, so maybe he uses offense. The, the best way to, to neutralize William Knight's power, we saw that in his fight versus uh, what, Dung Ung or whatever. Um, you know, he got taken down, which is flat on his back and couldn't do anything. So if Alonzo wants to offensive grapple, that's another path to victory there and probably the safest one, honestly. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be it'll be interesting. Jesse, thank you very much for the donation. I just saw it on my phone. Appreciate that. As always. You're a true OG to this channel. Um, what's interesting, you mentioned Alonzo Wrestling. We saw William Knight just get bodied that entire fight. He was just completely manhandled uh, in the wrestling department. And, you know, that was not a great look. That's what's playing into these odds. He did come back after that loss, knock out Fabio Charant, look way better. So, listen, Alonzo's the pick. It's the cardio that made the difference for me. But honestly, we don't even know if that cardio is here forever or if he was just really prepared for the Ed Herman fight. So that could go either way. But, Jakey Boy, what do you think of the strike line? I, I, I'm i feeling like over. I'm feeling like more and more on the Monkey Knife fight strike line. I do think this fight goes a little bit. But um, 58 is a little high. I, you know, I don't see Alonzo throwing a million strikes. What do you think? I like the more and more just because I think Alonzo really plays this uh, fight safe. And he, know, he knows the implications, right? He's 11-2. and two. This is a big name. William Knight just had that big knockout. This could be a big moment for him. Um, I hope just he, I hope he doesn't try to chase that finish. Just just get your win and get out of there um, because you're the, you're the more technical guy in this fight. Yeah. But I, I, I play the more and more. Yeah, more and more is probably the safe play. We're on picks.com slash MKF. It is daily fantasy. It's super easy. It's super fun. They instantly match your deposit. So if you don't even know what Monkey Knife Fight is, just go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up. They'll match your deposit. Use the free money. Play with the free money. If you enjoy yourself, great. Continue to play. Use the winnings. If you don't, no problem. Use the winnings till they're gone and then leave. Wewantpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up. You notice the logo under odds is my bookie. That is a new betting partner for us. We on picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. Let me know after you do. I will send you $50 cash app, Venmo, PayPal, literally however you want your free money. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have Mallory Martin versus Cheyenne Vlismas, formerly Cheyenne Bays. Mallory Not Martin. Not anymore. Valerie Martin. I'm just going to get through my thing and then you could get all weird and do your thing, breathing I'm heavy. Just. Have an ice pack next to you. Mallory Martin, 7-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in her last five. Cheyenne, 6-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in her last five. Coming off of that really nice win, um, TKO win that started with a head kick and finished with just absolute savage, um, I don't want to say ground and pound because she didn't take her down, but it was ground and pound. The grounding was from a head kick. Mallory Martin is a Muay Thai striker who takes her time and picks her shots. She has genuine power, but does not set it up with combinations. She just throws one power shot at a time. 
And that shows in her negative striking differential. For every two significant strikes that Mallory lands, she is hit with almost three. And that's because she takes her time, then throws one heavy punch. Uh, but what is important to note here is that even though she is technically a striker with a striking background, she has takedowns. She had five takedowns in her fight on Contender Series and one in each of her last two fights. But one is all she needed with her submission win over Hannah Cyphers. Cheyenne Vlismas, formerly Cheyenne Bays, a fun striker with high output and pressure with combinations. Her volume makes up for any technical gaps that she has on her feet. But even though she isn't the most technically sound kickboxer, her striking differential is an impressive three to one. She also has an impressive takedown defense at 60%. And that 60% doesn't sound super high. But if you remove the Montserrat Ruiz fight, where she was basically just taken down at will, Cheyenne has defended every single takedown attempted on her outside of that fight. I definitely think Cheyenne should be the favorite here, which she is. I do not think she's a two-to-one favorite. I think minus 190 is crazy. I think this is, you know, she should probably be a minus 120 type favorite. Cheyenne's the better striker for sure. The judges will like her volume and pressure. They will hate Mallory's patience. But Mallory has real power, and if she implements a wrestling game plan, things could honestly get ugly. As tricky as it sounds, I think I trust Mallory more to lean on her power, lean on her wrestling, than I do for Cheyenne to just keep up the volume and stay on the outside and defend takedowns. Cheyenne recently had COVID. She's got a lot of personal stuff going on with the last name change. And honestly, that could that could have her a step behind. That could there those could be unnecessary distractions. She was supposed to fight in the last card, had to pull out due to COVID. I don't know what that's done to her to her lungs, which she leans on because of her pressure. Listen, this is a no money pick. I've got no money in this whatsoever. I like Mallory. I think she's a solid underdog here. Lots of takedowns, and Cheyenne, she's got good pressure. But we watched her just get taken down one million times against Montserrat. So. Anything could happen. What are your thoughts, Jacob? Anything could happen. Great analysis. What a clown show this has become. Mallory Martin over Cheyenne. Future lines. Cheyenne, my Instagram is JT underscore lines. Hit me up. I'll get you in the right spot. Uh, I, I like Cheyenne in this matchup, but I, I do agree. You know, all, all you know, bullshit basically aside, I, I do agree that minus 190 I think is crazy for Cheyenne because that Montserrat fight, because she just laid on her back and she had no idea what to do and yet kept putting herself in that same position round after round. It was the same position, a throw, and then you can't move. To her credit, she is very upfront and honest. She said she was completely embarrassed by that loss. She said she was getting trashed online, known as the headlock girl, and she did not want to go out that way. So she, the last fight, you know, she absolutely dominated. She got that head kick that was almost illegal, but it was absolutely legal, and then got the full amount with the ground and pound. Um, I like Cheyenne in this match. As you mentioned, you, you mentioned the, the, the breakup. It will be interesting to see, um, where her mind is at, but I will say there was, what's the quote? There's like no fury, like a woman scorn or something. It seemed like she, <laughs> it seemed like she's the one, it didn't seem like she's the one being left. Right. Because you know, that, that actually is, is a difference, right? It seemed like she's the one initiating all this, the breakup, um, I, I feel like she's going to come in with even more aggression than she normally was. And she's got that mean streak, man. Some of these girls are fighters and some of these girls are absolute fighters. I think she's the one that got expelled from school, suspended for fighting. She's been a fighter her whole life. She, she's got the mean streak. She mentioned going to 
Uh, she moved from Dallas to Vegas because uh, she wanted to be all in. This is actually when she moved with JP, but she wanted to be all in her training. She mentioned she was broke, but she didn't care because she just loves fighting so much. Uh, I love her attitude in the, uh, going into this fight. I do have a three and a half uh, bet. You you can you can explain the three and a half bet. I put a three and a half bet on Mallory Martin. I think I got it for like minus one twenty because I think that Cheyenne should avoid the grappling in this matchup. But I think that she's going to come in and not really be scared because she trusts herself and she wants to prove that she can grapple and can wrestle. And I think that could be a mistake. I think it could cost her a round. I still think she wins the fight, but I like the three and a half for Mallory. Maybe early takedown, control the round, and then Cheyenne realizes, you know what? Let me stay away from that. Continue the striking um, and win the fight. So I don't love the 9,000 for her for DraftKings. I don't really love the minus 190 for her, um, but I think she's going to win the fight. But I do have a bet on Mallory at the plus three and a half that you can explain. Yeah, so um, I agree. 9,000 for Cheyenne's crazy. Uh, the plus three and a half bet, so you regulars know what it is, but everybody else, essentially you buy a single round on the judge's scorecard. You literally buy three and a half points on the judge's scorecard, and the way that works out is it is a single round. So all Mallory Martin needs to do for Jacob to win money is win one round. She can lose two rounds, no problem. If she wins one round on the judge's scorecard, Jacob hits his bet. I just did this with Michael Chiesa. I said he's going to lose the first two rounds. He'll win the third because he's got great cardio. That's exactly what happened. Michael Chiesa lost the fight. I won my bet. So you're only going to find that bet at wewantpicks.com slash bets and jump into bet online. That's the only place you're going to find that bet. We have five different betting partners. Every single one of them offers something different and something unique. Bet Online has the best prop bets. Bet US has the best customer service. My bookie has a really diverse ability to do parlays. Bovada lets you cash out. So you could bet on Cheyenne Bays in Bovada, be in the second round of that fight and be like, this isn't going well. And you can cash out of your bet at, you know, they'll value it, whatever it is at the time, but you can cash out and get recouped some of your money. Or if you're up really big on a parlay, but you're worried about the last leg, you can cash out there. Still be up money, not the total amount, but they'll meet you somewhere in between. We on picks.com slash bets. Jump into any one of those five, and I will pay you $50. If you do all five, hell, I'll give you $250. It's that simple. So I do like that three and a half bet. Um, I didn't do it. I do like it. I did see a comment here saying Hell, if you think she's gonna win, that seems like a no-brainer for you. Yeah, but man, I think she's gonna win, but I'm very conservative where I spend my money, which is why I'm up money every single week. Sean V said, I'll go with whoever Angela picks when it comes to women fights. Listen, I appreciate that. I don't even know how it happened, but I'm on some like weird win streak with picking women fights. I, I, I don't know how I'm like some idiot savant with women fights specifically. Well, it just ended, but Mallory, Mallory Martin is one of the more aggressive what are the more aggressive picks? And all streaks come to an end. Hopefully not this week, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, my 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 quote for this fight was: I, I think for Mallory to win, it's like the dirtier the better, right? The dirtier this fight gets, yeah. I think it favors Mallory Martin. Even though you know Cheyenne's got that main streak, I think Mallory can control those positions a little bit better. Yeah, and you know Cheyenne's volume and her striking, she's dangerous. But I don't know if we've seen enough to. Uh, you know, really be all in. We definitely have not seen enough for 9,000. I love alpha women. What do you think of the monkey knife fight strike line? I think we got to go more and more. I think this is an easy more and more. I think it goes to a decision. Even if Mallory works in her wrestling, Cheyenne's got good enough volume that she can get some strikes off, make something happen. Although in that monster rat fight, maybe she landed two punches that whole, that whole fight. 
So hopefully it's a little more of that, but we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have Manel Kopp versus Zalgas Zumagulov. Manel Kopp, 16 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. Zalgas Zumagulov, 14 and 5, 3 and 2 in his last five. Zalgas Zumagulov is very tough. He has solid power, very good wrestling. His goal is always to throw that big power get you to react, and then work a takedown. The stats are very deceiving because while he averages almost two takedowns per fight, he has a 20% takedown accuracy. I have mentioned that before. I even mentioned it earlier today. That is an indication of chain wrestling and relentless pressure. It was the exact same story with Ronnie Yaya two weeks ago when I picked him. You shoot a takedown, you don't get it. You move to the second transition, you don't get it. You move to the third, you get your takedown there. You, you did three. You got one that's a 33% takedown, but the reality is that was one entry, a bunch of different motions and movements until you got that takedown. So low takedown accuracy, but high takedown average per fight. Those are chain wrestlers. And I'll take that over a, you know, 0.5 takedowns per fight, 70% accuracy. I'll take the chain wrestlers any day of the week. Manel Kopp, fast, explosive striker who has absolutely no issues chasing knockouts and he will do so with spinning attacks flying knees and everything in between he's a southpaw with good pressure he bounces in and out of range really well he is a decent wrestler when he needs to be and he closes distance really well when he wants to he's very fun to watch but at times he's having too much fun and he makes like weird iq mistakes because he's just enjoying the moment not paying attention to the scorecards or what's going on it's easy to say that this is a striker versus grappler matchup but Manel does have his own wrestling offense, and Zalgas actually has the better striking statistics. Manel has a surprising negative striking differential at almost five to four. So he is hit five times for every four that he lands, where Zalgas is just a little better than a one-to-one -one striking differential. I like Zalgas here. I, I like the odds are worrisome. Before I even saw the odds, I just saw the matchup, and I was like, well, Zalgas, right? That's easy. Then I saw the odds, and I was like, what am I missing? What am I missing here that the odds makers know that I don't? So I like Zalgas here. I know Manel has an 80% takedown defense, but he also has very low output. I see Zalgas constantly repressuring, looking for takedowns. If he gets them, then he absolutely dominates this fight. If he doesn't, then he wins a boring cage control decision, but it's still a win. He's tough enough to not get knocked out. He has enough power to hang. His wrestling will only make Manel even more gun-shy than he already is. I have one unit. No, sorry, I don't. One unit at plus 190 odds do scare me because I feel like I'm missing something, but I do like it. The line is continuing to move. I might do that. I literally had one unit typed. I was about to hit enter, and I'm like, I might be missing something here. So I didn't do it yet, but this line is moving. We were plus 175 yesterday, plus 190 today. What am I missing, Jacob? I don't think you're missing anything because I've never been uh, very high on Manel Cop. Um, obviously, he was like a, a champion in other organizations, and you, you know he's got the striking, he's got the power, but he's a guy that I have it in my notes. He will let you win the fight because he honestly thinks that he wins every single exchange. 
confident there's no shortage of confidence in this guy I, I was talking to angel earlier today about his twitter feed go to his twitter feed and just like he said you know he's like didn't really call zaga's names but said he's got like a small brain can't understand what's going on he said he could knock out a heavyweight right now um so there's no shortage of confidence on his side but i think that's a detriment because you mentioned a lot of his losses are decision losses because he's really not doing enough he thinks he's winning the fight he feels like i'm winning every exchange i think i'm winning the fight so i'm just gonna kind of sit back and and honestly he should be on a three-fight losing streak he lost to pantoja lost to nikolai i love matthias nikolai shout out to his girlfriend as well um and then oday you could tell that he was like gonna i don't want to say he was gonna lose that fight but oday you could was really finding his range really finding the, the connection Connections, and then he hit a flying knee at the, at the end of the round and, and knocked him out. So he got the win, but I'm not sold on on, on, on Manel at all. And Zagas, you nailed it. If he gets the takedowns, he dominates his fight. I don't know if he's going to be able to get the takedowns the entire fight. So this is another one of those where I put a plus three and a half bet on Zagas. I think it was like a minus 140, a little bit heavier, a little bit, you know, not quite as good as odds I would have liked. But I think he definitely is going to get a takedown at least one round because I don't think he's going to get finished. Um, and if he's able to secure takedowns throughout, you know, a few rounds, he's a very intelligent fighter too, because his last fight, um, I, I think he was, there was a big like controversy with the, um, the Paeva fight, right? I think everyone thought that he beat Paeva and then the Amir fight. That's a guy that's very dangerous on the ground, but Zagas was still able to time a couple takedowns at the, I think at the end of the first round. So he knows that even if a guy's dangerous, I can still take him down end of the round. There's no danger to me and I can maybe steal a round. Um, so he's very intelligent when he fights. I think he does the same thing to cop, maybe just kind of toys with him with a striking, gets a leg takedown, um, and finds a way to win the fight. So I'm with you all the way. I like Zalgus in this fight. I have the three and a half bet on him. Um, you know, if Cape finds a way to, uh, you know, pull out another win, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll jump on his bandwagon, but I, I'm just not a huge fan of, of, of the way he fights. What were the odds at that plus three and a half? I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I might just do that. Cause I, I I'm like very confident in him to win. And the money line, these are the, you know, I actually got it for um, minus 110. Yeah, maybe I'll grab that because these are the money lines that you want, right? Like I can almost double my money. The odds makers are this wrong, but a part of me is nervous. Like, what am I missing? I have to be missing something to be this confident in somebody who is a, Manel is dangerous. I think he's a black belt as well at jujitsu. So if it goes to the ground, you know, maybe there's a weird scramble and something happens, but I just don't see a two to one favorite means you're pretty much better everywhere. You don't really have a hole where someone can, yeah. you know, and, and, and you mentioned Zalgus too is a, is a decent striker. I, I think Cobb's he's got power at least. Yeah. He's, yeah, not he's, he's definitely the better striker, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll lean on the community for this one. Let me know. I'm curious what the general sentiment is here. If you guys are, are, are with us, that this is crazy and Zalgas is going to win this fight or if if we're missing something big or this whole thing is just a sloppy mess because Manel is coming off of that that nice flying knee knockout against Ode. And Manel he's this yeah, killer. He's calling a he's uh, said the second round knockout. So he's he called the second round knockout. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I, I I'll figure out a bet here. Maybe maybe I just go money line. I do a half a unit cuz I'm a scared little crybaby boy. But you know, it's funny. This the longer my win streak goes, got ears. The longer my win streak goes, I'll go from like slow and steady wins the race to like more conservative to ah, I can't lose. So I don't know how I feel, but I definitely think Zalgas wins this fight. I'll figure out where to put some money. Zero percent chance Manel Cape ends up in my lineup at ninety four hundred dollars. No way. Sixty eight hundred dollars though. I will have Zalgas in there, and that frees up a lot of room 
for a lot of people. Monkey knife fight, interesting line. Because if Zalgas is getting takedowns, there's no 73. Manel kind of a low-volume guy. So what do you think of this? I still think it's more and more. I, th- I think that Zalgas is going to have – the reason why I didn't play – because I like Zalgas to win this fight, but the reason I didn't play that 175, because you know I love playing those underdog bets. And the yeah. reason I wouldn't make him the lock of the week, which he's a, a good candidate for. He's a fan. Yeah, he's the fantastic candidate. Right. But I just don't know if he's gonna be able to get those takedowns. I I, yeah. I really I think I think cops grappling and his wrestling is is underrated. Yeah, I I'll, I'll figure something out. So much of me wants to put money on him. I guess I should. It'd be stupid not to. All right, well, tune into our betting guide breakdown on Friday where I'll have all of my final bets. Jacob will have his, and Dan will have his. Dan will be joining us in a few minutes. Jacob, text him that we're two fights away from the main card. WeWantPicks.com slash bets. Jump in any one of the five partners that we have. Make a deposit. Let me know, and I will send you $50. Cash app, Venmo, PayPal, however you want it. You can join all of them, deposit all of them. I'll pay you for all of them. Sportsbooks are not loyal to us, and we do not need to be loyal to them. Go through all of them. Find the best odds, especially a fight like this. You might be able to get crazy odds. Find the best odds. Play those. Pick and choose. You don't need to stick with one sportsbook to have success. Next up, at UFC Vegas 44, we have Jake Matthews versus Jeremiah Wells. Jake Matthews 14-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two coming off of a submission loss to Sean Brady in his last five. Jeremiah Wells, 9-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, riding a three-fight stoppage streak. Jake Matthews is a well-rounded guy. He's got solid wrestling, very good grappling, and a nice variety of strikes. He works angles well and has no problem mixing up body shots and head shots. He averages almost two takedowns per fight. But the big dig on him is his fight IQ and his willingness to trade punches when he should wrestle or his willingness to grapple when he should stand up. The guy does not make the best decision. He gets very complacent and has issues with those transitions in MMA at times. But in any one given area, he could be the better fighter. It's moving from one to the other, knowing what he should be doing when that he struggles with at times. Jeremiah Wells came back after a two-year layoff and knocked out Warley Alvarez. He is a big, powerful striker with explosive hands. But what everybody forgets is that Jeremiah Wells is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, an accomplished one at that. He throws wild and with intent, but the reality is that he is doing that to set up his takedowns and set up his jiu-jitsu. He's not there to strike. He's striking to grapple. This is a closer fight to call. This is another tough one. Jake has better wrestling, but so far, Jeremiah has a 100% takedown defense in the UFC. Jake probably has the cleaner strikes, but Jeremiah has way more power. This fight could really go a few different directions. The biggest concern for me is Jake's decision-making skills. I mentioned before, we've seen his grapple. We've seen him grapple when he should strike or strike when he should grapple. I don't know if I could trust him at this point in his career to make the right decisions in those spots. I like Jeremiah to win the fight. But there is a clear path with the wrestling for Jake, which makes me nervous. I do have a bet on this fight. I did not go money line for Jeremiah Wells. But what I did do was inside the, dis- inside the distance decision no action on Jeremiah Wells because he's so tough and very live, not only to win, but definitely for a finish. 
The money line is plus 140 right now. I got inside the distance decision, no action at plus 120. So I only gave up a few points. And what that bet means is if Jeremiah Wells knocks out Jake Matthews, stops Jake Matthews, beats Jake Matthews by finish, I get paid at plus 120. If Jake Matthews beats Jeremiah Wells by a decision, which is very likely with his wrestling and his grappling, I get a refund. No bet. I get my money back. No bet. Clean hands. No big deal. You're only going to get that. We own picks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online is the partner with that safety net prop bet. I loved it. I only gave up a few points for the protection against a decision loss. Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll pay you 50 bucks. Jakey boy, that was my very long rant. What do you think? I just put two units on that bet. I absolutely love that bet. Thank you for mentioning it. I, I do have a, a, a quick story uh, don't, here. I, uh, don't forget to pay me out 10% when it hits. Right. Absolutely. Always. Um, I, I do have a quick story here because uh, I'm a Jacob. He's a Jake. I will say growing up through school, anytime there was two Jacobs, I was always the Jacob. The other kids were always the Jake. So I have always, my entire life, resented anyone named Jake. And for that reason, Jeremiah Wells, congratulations, sir. You are the lock of the week. We had Pat Sabatini last week. We're dubbing it up. We're, going, we're we're taking this serious now, right? So if you guys don't know, I keep reiterating, lock of the week, we had like a crazy streak in the spring. Then we kind of got a little lax the days, though. We started having we, a little. Then we, no, you. We as a group, because this lock of the week is voted on by every member of uh, We Want Picks. Um, we got a little lack of today's goal. I, I blame Angelo partially for that. Um, but we're buckling back down. I put four units on, on, on Pat Sabatini. Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago now. Um, Jeremiah Wells, I absolutely love him. Love him for lock of the week. But I will say, I will say, if he does get tired and this goes to the third and he loses, not my fault. If he lunges forward trying to chase a knockdown, because he will lunge forward and, and throw big power shots, and when he does that, his hands are a little low, his chin's a little forward. If he gets flash knocked out by Jake Matthews going forward, also not my fault. Does not count. So <laughs> lock of the week is Jeremiah Wells. I'd like him honestly to win any anywhere in this fight. Even you mentioned the wrestling, Jeremiah Wells. You, you mentioned his, his jujitsu. He is like a black belt. And that's a Gracie black belt. That's one of those real life black belts, those Gracie black belts. So I don't think he's gonna have any issues. Maybe with the with the wrestling, that's kind of why I played that the inside the distance bet decision of action because there is that wrestling with Jake Matthews. But um, Jake Matthews, you know, he's been in the UFC since he was 19 years old. So he actually <laughs> might be the more experienced fighter in this fight, even though he is a I don't I can't remember if he's the younger guy, but he's got a worlds worlds of experience, but. Um, a guy that hasn't knocked somebody out since 2013. I don't think he's going to be able to KO Jeremiah, and I think he's going to have real issues because you can't KO him. Um, I like Jeremiah all the way. Lock of the week for back-to-back. Well, and I mentioned in my breakdown, Jake Matthews, I can't trust him to make the right decisions. And that's because we've seen him get taken down and just chill, just chill on his back. And I do have, I, I do have, yeah, I do have one, uh, speaking of the takedowns, I have one fun fact. Since 2017... Jake Matthews has not lost a fight where he has gotten a takedown. Meaning if he does get a takedown, he wins the fight. If his last two fights that he lost, he did not uh, get takedown. So that's a, a little fun uh, staff for you. So if he gets a takedown versus Jeremiah, it's trending towards win. So if you're playing live bets, you know, maybe that's something you might want to play. 
Well, Jeremiah Wells, decent chin, jiu-jitsu black belt. I don't see him getting stopped, and that's why I love that inside-the-distance decision, no action bet. If you lose the decision, no big deal. I get a full refund. Obviously, we're not touching Jake Matthews at $9,100. I love Jeremiah Wells at $7,100 because I genuinely think he wins this fight. Monkey knife fight? Interesting strike line because, man, Jeremiah Wells could just knock Jake's head off. Or Jake could take Jeremiah down and just elbow in the face a hundred times. So this is just, if you think Jake Matthews wins, probably more, more, or more, less. If you think Jeremiah wins, it's less, more, or less, less, right? What do you think? Yeah, you know, DraftKings is kind of interesting because I agree. I'll probably have Jeremiah in my lineup at $7,100. And we also said we're both going to have Zogas um, in our lineup at like $6,800. So that's going to free up a lot of the big favorites. But a lot of the big favorites... We don't really like that much. So yeah. DraftKings is going to be interesting this week for sure. Um, you, you mentioned the monkey knife fight. Um, what did you say? I said if you like Jake Matthews, it's a less more or a less less. If you like Jeremiah Wells, if you like I Jeremiah. Play less. I probably play I less, less. Yeah, I said that backwards. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. if Jake, if Jake Matthews gets takedowns, he's going to have a lot of strikes. Because it is every single strike that counts. Yeah, I'm not going to touch this one on on uh, draft or on monkey knife fight. Other than maybe knockout kings, where you pick any three fighters, any three, and if one of them wins a knockout, you get a 25% net return on your money. Weonpicks.com/slash/mkf. It is easy. It is fun. I get so many questions in the comments every single week. What is that? What's the strike line? What's monkey knife fight? Weonpicks.com/slash/mkf. Just click the link. Sign up. They'll give you a free deposit match. Use the free money. Play with that. Don't even play with your real human money. Play with the free money. Get a feel for it. Make some money. Come back. Thank us. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have Maki Pitolo versus Dusko Todorovic. Dusko Todorovic, 10-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five, coming off of two losses. Maki Pitolo, 1-4. In his last five, riding a three-fight skid. This is a lose-and-go-home type fight. Maki Bitolo is an athletic southpaw with power and volume. His UFC record is rough. But if you look closer, those were fights that he was having some success in. He was going to beat Julian Marquez in his last fight before Julian's Hail Mary submission. He had five takedowns in that fight. And that's important to note here because even though Maki is known as a striker with big power and volume, he has solid wrestling as well with over 50% accuracy and an average of almost three takedowns per fight. Dusko Todorovic is a pretty well-rounded guy. He's a technical striker. He's got power. He has takedowns and decent BJJ when he's on top. Um, he's a high volume guy landing almost six significant strikes per minute, but there are questions about his chin. This entire card is loaded with live underdogs, top to bottom and close fights. I get why Dusko is the favorite here. He has double the volume of Maki. He has solid power. The issue though is his chin is questionable at times. People see the three fight skid of Maki and they make a pick from there. They just look at topology, oh, three in a row, he, he loses, he sucks, that's it, he's done. And that, that happens way more often than you would think. But again, if you look at those losses closer, they are not bad losses. Maki's a tough guy with his own power. He has solid takedowns. He is my pick. I didn't go as far as Moneyline, though. 
but I did do another inside the distance decision, no action, because Dusko could absolutely win just with forward pressure and volume. But Maki's tough enough. He'll survive. Inside the distance decision, no action is the bet. Maki's the pick. I got the inside the distance, inside the distance decision, no action at plus 140. And right now, that is better than the money line odds. Better than the money line odds. So I like Maki there. I think he can win by stoppage. And if he doesn't, I'll get a full refund. We on picks.com slash bets. Five different partners. Bet online offers that prop bet. Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Dusko is a guy that is a very, very confident striker. He is hands low, karate stance, and relies on his head movement exclusively. There is no high guard. There is no defending with the hands. It's all head movement, and he got in real trouble um, with that in in that fight um, versus um, who was that um, Soriano? Um, he, he got clipped, and then he got clipped, and then he got clipped because he's tough as hell. But he just got clipped, and then clipped, and then clipped, and eventually it caught up to me, and he got finished in that fight. But um, I actually thought I was I was going to get way ahead of the odds makers here, and I had I had a bet I wanted to place on this that I thought I was going to be like the smart guy in the room. I was going to tell you guys about it because I think that Dusko wins in this fashion, but apparently they're on to it because Dusko by submission is plus 285. I thought I was going to get plus 600, plus 700, plus 800. A lot of people don't know that he is a black belt and he's a very accomplished grappler. Um, and, and with Maki, I think his game plan is going to come in and wrestle. Um, will he be scared to wrestle is going to be an interesting factor because he had success against Julian Marquez, but he gasped because of it. you could tell that he was just exhausted in that third round. And that's one of the reasons he got submitted. So is he going to come in and try to like, you know, not, not shoot the takedowns immediately. He doesn't want to gas because if you start striking with Dusko, you're going to get in some trouble, but I think it could be, it could be, uh, you know, sloppy shots late. Dusko grabs a neck submission bet. I really thought I was going to get way ahead of it and get crazy odds at plus 285. I'm probably not even going to play it because that's way too specific for plus 285. Even for me, um, to play that, um, you know, I thought I was going to get ahead of that, but I like Dusko here. I think he does win by sub, but um, the path to victory for Mako is to wrestle and control him. But I just don't think he's going to be able to do that. And, and on the feet, Dusko is just way. Well, way I think he can. Uh, he's got power, man. I think he can knock out Dusko, who has a questionable chin. No, I think he can, but I, I think Dusko comes in a little bit more, uh, a little more tuned up. Yeah, I, we'll see. I, I actually think Maki Maki's got a ton of power. Maki's super tough. Yes. He has been finished by submission, but that was eight months ago. He's at the right camp. He's putting in the work. He's doing the right things. I think he's fine to not get submitted. I don't know if he'll win. I like him to win, but that's why my bet is inside the distance or a refund. And because- and Dusko is one of those guys that he really isn't really good at. From what I've seen, you, and not a lot of people have like tried to grapple him, but. He's not great at takedown defense, but he's one of those guys that in guard, if you give him full guard, he is active in his guard. He is throwing up stuff. He does that. Um, what's that Eddie Bravo mission control, you know, where you grab him on your own foot and then he's looking Rubber for guard. triangles. He's trying to grab your arm. He's trying to do all sorts of stuff. So even if Maki's able to take him down, I don't think he's going to really enjoy being in Dusko's guard. Um, so I like, uh, I like Dusko all the way in this fight. Yeah. I mean, he's a good size favorite for a reason. I, and I, that's why I literally started this with saying, I get why he's the favorite. So um, what do you think of DraftKings? So you, you'd spend the $8,600 on him? You like him that much or no? 
you know, the, I got to spend my money somewhere. So he's going to be one of those guys that I, I definitely look at because he's, he's live for those. I mean, he, you mentioned before that he got to UFC, all those first round finishes are, are crazy and first round finishes score big in DraftKings. So he might be one of those $8,600 that you might try and chase. And, and PayPal. So it's been eight months since his last fight, but he was dominating his last fight, dominating that fight, dominating. And he got submitted with like a minute left. It was a Hail Mary. He was tired. Eight months is absolutely plenty of time not to learn how to wrestle, but he doesn't need to learn that. Eight months is plenty of time to fine-tune the cardio and and make sure you don't gas, understand a little better where you can take your breaks, take your time. And we've seen people make those adjustments. We just watched Alonzo Menafield do that with the Ed Herman fight. Dude had zero cardio, made adjustments, fought Ed Herman, phenomenal cardio. So that's what I'm trusting Maki to do, make the adjustments. If he fights that same fight against Dusko Todorovic that he fought against Julian Marquez with a tiny bit more gas, he wins that fight. WeWantPicks.com slash bets, five betting partners. If you want an inside the distance decision, no action, jump into bet online. You want to do a wild parlay where you mash up a bunch of stuff, my bookie. You want the ability to cash out halfway through a fight, halfway through a parlay, you're worried about that last leg, you're up money, you want to pull it out, cancel it, leave with some positive money, Bovada, any one of those, jump in, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you $50, cash at Venmo, PayPal, however you want it. Jacob, we forgot to talk about Monkey Knife Fight, more or less? I like more and more. Okay, I like more and more. I, I think a lot of you in the comments are saying, no way, uh, Jesse, you said no way this goes to a decision. I actually think this is closer to a decision than it is a stoppage. I think there'll probably be a stoppage, but it may be a late, maybe a third round, something like that. There's I don't think there's going to be a lot right. of uh, Maki just hanging on his legs against the cage, just grinding, grinding, grinding. So, you know, you said the more and more, and I agree with you, but I don't know. Well, keep in mind, it's every single strike. So leaning on the legs, those little pitter-patter against the head. Every single one counts. So wheelpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up, get the free money, make a deposit, and go from there. Danny boy, welcome to the show, Dan. Dan, uh, we do a podcast here. We break down fights. You're a former fighter. Maybe you can offer some insight. What the, What is this? It's a podcast? What do you call it? Yeah, so that's like the internet and TV and radio all come together and they make a show. It's so it's I keep trying to dial up dial up and it's, I get the busy signal and then my mom keeps picking up the phone and the internet gets cut off so I don't know what's going on. All right, well we're jumping up, right Jake. Here. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Daniel? Good. Why are you talking in that weird voice? That's just Jacob. All right, no time for pleasantries, guys. This is the okay. show. We're live. All right. Straight to business. Straight to business. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have Brendan Allen Versus late replacement, Chris Curtis. Brendan Allen, 17-4 and four overall, 4-1 four and one in his last five. Coming off of that awesome win over Punahil Soriano. Chris Curtis, 27-8, and 5-0 and oh in his last five. Coming off of that awesome first-round knockout over Phil Hawes. On paper, this should be another striker versus grappler matchup with Chris Curtis yet again stepping in on short notice. Brendan Allen is a BJJ black belt with solid low kicks, great takedowns, and much improved striking. He moved to Sanford MMA a few camps ago, and you can see those improvements. Historically, his game plan was grappling. He would get the takedown, be crazy tough on top, work from there. 
But at some point in the last year and a half, he turned into a striker. Brendan Allen is now officially a striker. His last fight against Puna Heel was interesting because Puna Heel is an insane power striker who's dangerous at all times. The clear path would have been for Brendan Allen to grapple, but he didn't. And he just straight up won a kickboxing fight against who on paper was the far more dangerous and much better kickboxer. Chris Curtis. There's a ton of tape on him. We've broken him down a few times now, even though he's only been in the UFC for all of a month. Um, and he's an easy guy to break down. He has nice, clean boxing. He's got decent takedown defense and approved takedown offense. He has solid power in his hands. And it comes from short, clean punches, which just catches people off guard. He works solid leg kicks and he'll touch up the body. He takes his time with his shots, but he's always moving. He's always out of the way or trying to set something up. We've seen him struggle with pure wrestlers in the past. If you go back to his Magomed, Magomed Karimov fight, you'll see that he faded That's as the fight point. went on. He had absolutely no answer for the ground and pound. Chris Curtis made quite the statement a couple weeks ago in his, in his fight against Phil Haas. But before everyone rides that train and has Chris Curtis in their – in their parlays and love him as the massive underdog favorite. Let me remind you that he was losing that fight. Chris Curtis was losing that fight. Phil Hawes was winning the striking exchanges until he was knocked out. So I know how stupid that sounds, but he was winning those striking exchanges. Phil landed 48 strikes to Chris's 21. And the only reason Chris even had the opportunity to hit Phil the way that he did is because Phil was playing patty cake. He'd touch him up, fake a takedown, go back to touching him up. He did that three times. The boy who cried wolf, Chris wasn't falling for it anymore and then absolutely cracked him. So Chris was a step behind that entire time. He was able to pull it off. He's got a ton of power and he will always be dangerous. I don't think Brendan Allen will make those same mistakes. While he doesn't have as much power, um, he has become a good technical striker. He I just, I just don't see him making those mistakes. I think he can win a technical striking fight if it stays there. He could absolutely win if he wrestles. I've got Brendan Allen winning. I'm pretty confident in that win, but these odds are obviously pretty crazy. I'm not touching the odds. I like Brendan Allen to win. Jakey boy. I'll let Dan get settled. Jakey boy. We already kind of broke this down, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm the one that called that Phil Hall's knockout. I said, if Phil Hall doesn't wrestle... He's going to get knocked out, and he got knocked out. This is the exact same situation. You think that he's going to win the striking exchanges versus Chris Curtis? It's not going to happen. He's going to get knocked out if he tries to strike with Chris Curtis. He has a very easy path to victory. Every time he takes somebody down, he submits them. He wins. He wins the fight. Just take Chris Curtis down and submit it. Chris Curtis has terrible takedown defense. It's not even very good. It's not even like it's average. I think it's terrible. He's going to have no issues taking Chris Curtis down. Just take them down, submit them, and move on. You're a 350 favorite. You don't have to show off. Just get your win. Because if you start striking, you're going to get knocked out. It's going to be the exact same situation. Chris Curtis is a Golden Gloves champ. He's got real power in his hands. And he's. He, you mentioned he was losing versus Phil Hawes. He's got that high guard, that, that boxing stance. He'll absorb shots. He's waiting. He's finding his timing. And the second he finds the tiny, or his timing, um, you know, you're seeing stars. So I, I think Brandon Allen is definitely the play. He's a safe play. He should win. Um, but if he starts striking Chris Curtis, the exact same thing's going to happen, man. These people don't learn. These these grapplers that think they're strikers, um, just do what you got to do, man. Phil Hall has made the mistake. Brennan Allen, just grapple him. Just grapple him. 
Yeah, listen, I completely agree with all of that. And Chris Curtis has proven that he's live. But I, Brendan Allen is a much better striker than Phil Hawes. He doesn't have the same power Phil Hawes does, but he's got volume. He's got good footwork. And we and they, just watched – we literally just watched Brendan Allen beat a big power puncher. Granted, Puna Heel is different than Chris Curtis, but we just watched him win that fight. Danny Boy. Yeah, and, well, and Chris Curtis, too, kind of baits people into striking with them with that high guard, right? It's kind of like the, the Peter Yan or a Piotr Yan. He has that high, tight guard, and it feels like you can just keep punching him, but really those punches aren't really getting through. I mean, Phil Hall's got through the guard a few times, but people will just keep striking, 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 all of a sudden he's just boom, and your light's out. Danny Boy, what are your thoughts? Jacob, I think you nailed it, man. You, you covered a lot of what I was going to say. Um and Angela, you were talking about Chris Curtis losing that first round against Oz. I was watching it too. He was losing for sure, but the difference was is he was composed. He's got the composure of a boxer. He had his hands up, and he was always looking for that shot. So, Brendan Allen, like you guys have said, he's fallen in love with his striking lately. I don't think this is the fight to do that. It's not, you know, we're not trying to prove points here. We're trying to win, you know, win fights and make money. Brendan Allen has a path, like we said, with wrestling. Um, I, I don't know. he, But, you know, his last fight against uh, Soriano, he probably could have wrestled. He chose not to. But I think there's a different level of skill, timing, um, and just overall athleticism from a true boxer than there is against a guy like Soriano, who's a, a power puncher, you know, a good striker. But Chris Curtis is a legit, you know, a legit boxer who's going to find those openings. And all it takes is one mistake. We saw it with Hawes. So I think Brendan Allen is the pick if he wrestles. Um, but, man, I don't know. He, he might be one of those guys who's going to try to prove a point and strike. And, and I will say, too, it's not like Chris Curtis is, you know, he's got six fights, seven fights. He's a boxer. Yeah, He's got 30-something MMA fights. So it's not like he's uh, completely new to the thought of wrestling. Um so I don't know. I, I he might be one of those guys that, that could be you know working on his wrestling. I, I saw Hawes take some shots, and they were like half half attempts, almost a fakes. They were complete. So it's fakes. hard to evaluate if Curtis. You know, he, he can't even count him as a defense. But it looked like his hips were all right. Uh, but I don't know. You go watch back a few fights, and to Jacob's point, he got taken down pretty easily. So I don't know. I, I, this one this one scares me a little bit, but. Uh, Brendan Allen's got to be the pick, but if he if he tries to strike, man, I think he could get in some trouble. He'll win early, but I think he get in trouble later. From like a multi-entry standpoint, I think there's a lot of uh, upside to Chris Curtis here. 100%. And I'm sorry to block your face here, but MBA is a good point. We forgot to mention it. We mentioned it earlier in the week with the early breakdown. Chris Curtis is a welterweight. He took the Phil Hawes fight on like 12 hours notice at middleweight. Phil Hawes turned it down. They rebooked it a month later. They kept it at middleweight. And now Chris is stepping in on short notice again as a middleweight. But he is a straight-up welterweight. Not that he, he's not small. He didn't look small compared to Phil Haas. But he is a welterweight. This is not his weight class. It's not like Brendan Allen's massive. But, you know, so I think we all agree. I mean, that should be even more of an advantage for Allen in the grappling, right? He should be able to control him even more in those positions. Should be able to. I mean, so I think we're all basically on the same page. I'm a little higher on Brendan Allen than you two are. But for the most part, we all think Brendan Allen's the, the pick – we think minus 350 is a bit absurd. Is anybody here spending the $9,600 in DraftKings on Brendan Allen? 
I mean, if you, if you want to trust that he's going to go game plan, he he honestly could take Chris. In my mind, he can take Chris and submit him inside of two minutes if he wants to. I think he's I that. Good. I think Brendan Allen is that good on the ground, and that and, and Chris Curtis is that inexperienced on the ground. I think there's worlds apart on the ground, but I just don't think he's going to do it, man. I just don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, and I got to give Chris credit though because if if um, Magomed Magomed Karimov didn't submit him, I don't know if now Brendan Allen's a much more slick jujitsu guy than Magomed is. But, you know, Chris just took that wrestling beating the entire fight and was just hung tough. So, yeah, I don't think there's a stoppage. And I'm not spending 90, $9,600 is, is Amanda Nunes money. I'm not spending that here. That's not going to happen. The value, I hate to say, is on Chris Curtis, even yeah. though you're right. You, you know, he could get dominated in this fight. Brendan Allen is tough as nails and just game plan. If he has the right game plan, it should go his way. But, man, I don't know. Something that – I got one of those weird feelings like Chris Curtis might shock some people here. Not early, second round, third round. I don't know. We've seen that happen in the past. Somebody flies onto the scene, gets a couple crazy wins. So he's he's definitely heading on the path, and he's got himself a nice little win streak. What do you guys think of Monkey Knife Fight? I think more and more is the play. I do think this fight goes a little bit. Brendan Allen's tough. Chris Curtis is tough. I think this fight will go a little bit. My only hesitation is actually Chris Curtis's line because he takes his time and – what did I? What was the stat that I read off? He only landed, I guess he landed twenty-one in that first round. So if you think this goes a few rounds, you'll hit that forty-four. I like more and more here. What do you guys think, Jake? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do more and more because he is a boxer, so he'll be pumping that jab out there. I, I like more and more. Danny, this is tough. It's it's like because I don't Chris Curtis landing over forty-four and a half means they're striking the whole time. I guess I guess uh, I like. More, less. Less than 44. So you do think you, you're you trusting Brendan Allen to actually grapple? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to – yeah, I mean, I think uh, as an MMA fighter uh, with a coaching staff, you're fighting a, a guy who's a, a boxer. I agree, but he just fought – He had, he had zero takedown attempts versus uh, Sean – what's his name? No, I know. I, listen, I know. That's why I'm like – but. Chris Curtis, there's a difference between, I think, Soriano's boxing and Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis is a, is an actual boxer, right? Um, I don't know. I, I think Brendan L would be would, – would not be a good game plan to go strike from the bat and just keep going with that. So I think he's going to wrestle early. I wouldn't be surprised if he's okay with some exchanges. So I think he'll get the punches in on the ground, maybe some exchanges. Um and if Curtis does win, I don't think it's going to be 60 points. You know, I don't think it's going to be a boxing match the way he's winning. I think it's going to be like he lands a shot with an opening. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on, Jill had a good point. At least she said she'd rather spend 9600 on Allen than 9500 on Morono or Cop at 9400 That's a fair I think I agree with her there. Yeah, I, I Chris agree. is the less dangerous out of all those three – of those three opponents. Yeah, if I have to pick – um, between them, I would, but 9,600 is still a lot. But this is a weird card where we like a lot of inexpensive people, so we'll see what happens. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We now have five betting partners. Jump in, make a deposit with any of them, and I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. You can make deposits and do all of them, and I'll send you 250 bucks. wewantpicks.com slash bets. Next up. At UFC Vegas 44, we have Jimmy Crute versus Jamal Hill. Jimmy Crute 
12 and two overall, three and two in his last five, coming off of that leg shutdown loss to Anthony Smith. Jamal Hill, eight and one overall, three, one and one in his last five, coming off of that sort of shocking loss to Paul Craig. Wasn't shocking to me and Danny, though. We picked that one. Shocking loss to Paul Craig with uh, that really bad arm injury. Jimmy Crew, fantastic wrestler. Even in that loss to Anthony Smith when his leg was just straight up not working, he was still able to work in takedowns. He averages almost five takedowns per fight with an 80% takedown accuracy, which is those two numbers together are insane. I mentioned it earlier. When you see a guy that has high takedowns per fight but a low takedown percentage, he's a chain wrestler. In Jimmy Crute, we have high takedowns and high accuracy, which is very impressive. Um, and that's one of the most impressive volume stats I've, I've seen uh, in the UFC. But what's interesting about that is that means people are getting up. If you have five takedowns in a three-round fight, that means somebody got up four times. So he's not, he's not a pure grappler, though. He has one-punch knockout power and a pretty good two-to-one striking differential. So Jimmy Crute, very well-rounded guy, primarily a grappler, still has power, can still strike and hang. Jamal Hill is a tall rangy striker he comes forward he picks his shots really well he has an incredible seven to three striking differential so he almost doubles his opponent's strikes he's primarily a boxer but he does have solid leg kicks he doesn't have incredible power but half of his wins are by stoppage but if you look into that it's just accuracy and volume he is not sleeping you with one punch he's basically overwhelming you until the referee comes in so Great striker, not that insane raw power. People um, people fall behind, shell up, he unloads on them, and the referee comes in. Honestly, for me, this is, this is pretty straightforward. This card is loaded with underdogs, and I don't think this is one of them. I see Jamal trying to use his range to keep Crute away, but ultimately Jimmy's going to work in, get takedowns. If Jamal had one-punch knockout power, I think that could scare Jimmy a bit, maybe frustrate him a little bit. Uh, taking into a bad shot and cracking him, but he, he just doesn't. I see Jimmy eating whatever volume is, comes his way, throwing in his own power, working takedowns. I like Jimmy to win. I see a good amount of takedowns here, so I actually like the 9200 bucks. Danny Boy, what are your thoughts here? So if Jimmy Crew and Brendan Allen can be in the same locker room and just like make a pact that they're going to wrestle this fight, we're good. They're both going to win. Um, yeah, Jimmy Crute's path is, is wrestling, uh, Jamal Hill, you know, I bet against him a couple times. I got burnt against OSP. I was just, I mean, watching that fight was just the most frustrating thing in the world. But the weird thing about Jimmy Crute is, well, I mean, every one of every one of his last five fights have ended in the first round, right? He either wins or loses in the first round. Um, and I think you see, he's got five takedowns per fight average or whatever, but if you look at it, it came he's from got eight, yeah. <laughs> it's eight uh, against Ola Jacek a couple fights ago. Then he's got none against Bukowskis because he got a knockout. And then his last fight against Smith, he tried striking a little bit, and that's when his leg got jacked up. And he, you know, he still got three takedowns, but it was kind of too little, too late. He was already hurt. But I mean, again, like you said, the path here is takedowns. Jamal Hill. Good striker, not a lot of, you know, he's a crisp striker, but he doesn't have a lot of power. And when uh, Craig took him down, it was like they were drilling almost. He snatched his arm, 
and and Jamal Hill didn't know what to do. Like he got almost plotted, swept, armbarred, got basically knocked out from an armbar position. So I think there's just going to be a big disadvantage for Jamal Hill on the ground. If Jimmy Crew wrestles, he should get an easy. He should get him to the ground easy and get a submission. So I think he's worth the 9,200. I think he's going to get a sub if he fights smart. Uh, just don't, don't do what you did against uh, Anthony Smith and go out there trying to strike. We know you're good. You know you're tough, but easy path wrestling and jujitsu. Uh, Dan and I on the same page. What about you, Jakey boy? Uh, I 100% agree with what Dan was saying. This feels exactly, I mean, we just talked about the last fight. This feels like the Phil Hall's Chris Curtis fight, right? It was an easy path to victory. But you see, you, I'm glad you mentioned that last fight, that Anthony Smith fight. He was just getting eaten alive by Anthony Smith's jab. Just a jab. Just absolutely just beaten. Every single jab was hitting him straight in the face. No head movement. If he comes in, even in the first minute, and tries to do that against Jamil Hill, Jamil Hill is a, a really, really good boxer. I think he even called himself, you know, the best boxer in the UFC. A lot of people are saying that. But he is actually a very, very slick boxer. And the thing that interests me the most about this fight is – Against Paul Craig, I think Paul Craig was a short notice fight, so that that kind of plays a factor. But Paul Craig, it was a it was a grappler versus striker. Uh, Jamal Hill in that fight was a two hundred favorite in that fight, so people really didn't even care about the, uh, Paul Craig's ability. Obviously, he ended up getting he didn't even get taken down. Paul Craig actually pulled guard, and Jamal Hill for whatever reason jumps into his guard, and then, you know he got in the arm bar once, but then like Dan said, didn't really know what was going on down there. Um, so Jimmy Crute, if you want to wrestle, you can easily win this fight. If you want to strike. You're probably going to get TKO'd or knocked out. You're going to get pieced up for sure because uh, Jamal Hill is a no joke on the feet. Uh, he calls himself the best boxer. I don't think he's probably the best best boxer, but he's very, very good with his hands, and he's slick with it too. So, um, you know, wrestle Jimmy, and you'll get the win, just like Dan said. Yeah, and and Bay brings up a good point. I, I don't know if Jamal Hill's arm is healed. That thing was no, dangling. And, I, and I'll, you know, I'll say uh, he didn't break his arm. He just dislocated it. So that's a big difference between a, a bone break that needs to heal or a dislocation. You just kind of throw it back and then uh, kind of let it sit. So it was a dislocation, not a break. So that's a little bit easier. Yeah, it was swimming around. The, the only thing keeping it attached was skin. But uh, I mentioned I like Jimmy at $9,200. Are you guys on that page? I like him, Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm actually picking uh, – uh, I was going to pick Jamal Hill in this fight. I'll, I'll go with Hill in this fight. Uh, I, I do have a question for you guys because his stance, he kind of has one of those wide stances. It's like a lot of boxers have like the, the short stance, you know, the high. Uh, but his is a little bit wider. I think – is that going to be easier for Jimmy to get those takedowns with those wide stance, or is that going to allow Hill to kind of move in and out from those takedown attempts? Just Single legs there, and it's all about your hips. The, you know, if you, if you don't have the right hips to defend takedowns, the stance is, you know, the wide stance is going to leave a single leg, right? Like Glover's, uh, Glover's got that single leg, that snatch single, so that'll leave that open. But I don't even think it matters. If you don't have the hips, you're going to get taken down no matter what stance you have. Yeah. No. What do you think, Angela? You're the, you're the wrestler. No, that's what I was going to say. Like, you have nice wide base. You're not going to shoot a double with your arms way out here. So it's a single. You just run the pipe, put him on his butt, and that's the end of that. Um, so I like – uh, Jimmy in my lineup, I I have a bet here, and I wasn't going to say it because I felt stupid at you know, the breakdown here. I have one unit on the over one and a half on rounds. I actually think this will go a little bit. I see Jimmy getting the takedown, you know, but it may take him a little while to get into that takedown because Jamal does have that volume, and I think he'll just 
smacks up Jimmy's face a little bit before Jimmy just says, screw it, eats it, and commits to a takedown. So I like the over one and a half rounds, but Dan, you made it sound like there's no way this gets out of the first round. So that that bet has me a little nervous, but I do have a full unit there. And then you have a full unit on the over what? One and a half rounds. I like that. I like that a lot because even if, if, if Hill gets taken down, you saw how tough he is, right? He dislocated yeah. his arm and it's still it's flopping around. He's getting elbowed in the head. He's trying to like <laughs> he's trying to throw punches over the top still. So he's he's tough as hell. And and he's not like you say, he's not a KO artist either. So I might ride that bet with you. Yeah, I mean, I I did like that. So I, I placed that bet. And then Monkey Knife Fight, I, I liked him more and more. I do think they go at it. Jamal's got some good volume. Jimmy Crute, if he gets on top, he'll he'll, you know, throw some strikes. Those strike volumes are based off of one and a half rounds. I think it's over one and a half rounds. So I'll do the more and more on the monkey knife fight. What do you think, Jakey? Yeah, I do the more and more too. Because even you mentioned some people kind of get up from takedowns against Jimmy Crute. And yeah. I was watching a Hill fight too where I think it was DC or somebody said that Hill is like dangerous on the ground. Obviously, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing uh, last fight. So maybe he's got like a wild guard or something. Who knows? But uh, I'll probably play the more and more. Danny boy, more, more, less, less. I'm going less, less. I mean, the last five fights that Jeremy Crute has been in have ended in the first round. And the last three for um, Jamal have ended in the first or second round. So I, I, I see Jimmy Crute getting a takedown and winning this early. Or if he if he has a bad game plan, maybe he gets clipped. But I think, uh, I think it's going to end uh, pretty early, first yeah. or second round. I mean, it makes sense. I guess it's whatever side you're on there. So uh, we want picks.com slash bets. Five different betting partners. Jump into any one of them. Make a deposit. Let us know. We'll pay you 50 bucks. It's that simple. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have Leonardo Santos versus Clay Guida. Leonardo Santos 18 and 4 overall. Two, sorry, 4 and 1 in his last five with a 7 fight win streak before his last fight which was a loss clay guida 36 and 21 overall only two and three in his last five coming off of that split decision loss to mark omadson clay guida straight up legend at this point while he's not quite 40 he is starting to slow down but even a slower clay guida is ridiculously high paced great cardio relentless wrestling solid striking he makes up for any technical gaps with speed, volume, and pace. He's coming off a split decision loss to Olympic wrestler Mark O'Madson, where Mark was 0-4-1 on his takedowns. If you watch the fight, it was interesting, though, because I felt like Mark wanted to wrestle but just never found his opportunity because Clay's feet are never where they're supposed to be two seconds after you decide you want to take your shot. Leonardo Santos is 41 he is coming off of his first loss in eight years. Phenomenal BJJ guy, a seven-time BJJ world champion. He's a technical striker, and despite looking soft, like physically looks a little soft, he has deceiving power in his hands. He showcased that with a one-punch knockout over Stevie Ray. Cardio can be Leonardo's issue, especially at this age. So, you know, to summarize, Leonardo Santos is good everywhere. And if he didn't get knocked out at the very tail end of his last fight, he would have won that decision and be the owner of a really impressive win streak. I think in order for Leonardo to win, uh, he'll need to take Clay down. He'll need to work his BJJ from top 
I think Clay is too good to be submitted when he's on top, meaning if Clay gets the takedowns, I don't think Leonardo is going to be able to submit Clay from bottom. Leonardo has a nice variety of takedowns, though. He will shoot doubles. He'll work in throws. He mixes it up well. The only issue is he has a low 29% takedown accuracy. And taking down a guy like Clay Guida, who's never in one place for more than two seconds, is not an easy thing to do. There's a tricky fight, tricky pick, because Clay's pace alone will give Leonardo trouble, especially later in the fight. But I just my, – my heart is saying Clay Guida, but my brain is saying Leonardo. I, I think he's the better – He's got more power. He definitely has better jiu-jitsu. I think he's got the better striking. Clay has been beaten by many people like this before. Um, but the pace alone, the pace alone can be an issue. So I like Leonardo Santos to win. I think this is a straight-up pick him. I think the odds are crazy. But I do like Leonardo. This is a great spot for Clay Guida, plus 3.5. But those odds were stupid as hell. Jakey boy, what are your thoughts? Quick uh, pop quiz for you guys. Leonardo Santos back in 2005 had a grappling match versus GSP. Who do you think won that? 2005? 2005. I, I would say GSP because of the wrestling. It was Santos. I, think it, I would say Santos just because you're asking the question like it's a weird right. answer. It was actually like they were in like uh, just like this, and Santos did like, like that jump up, pull guard into like a triangle and armbar GSP like within the first minute. So it's pretty wild but so he was he was very good but as you mentioned that was 2005 he's 41 years old and his last fight while you know he got absolutely flatlined by grant dawson i think he was he was gonna win that fight um he was trying to Two do the like, you know, ryan hall heel hook or knee bar or whatever and dawson just started hammering or hammer fisting it and he was like out and then got hit like two more times, just bouncing his head off the canvas. And at 41 years old, I think that was the first time he's really been knocked out since like 2004 or something like that. But absolutely flatlined. It wasn't March, so he's had time to recover. But who knows how he's going to come back from that. Clay Guida, you mentioned the pressure. That's his path to victory. It's going to be pressure, pressure, pressure. I don't know if Clay Guida is going to be able to get the takedowns. Leonardo Santos versus Grant, his last fight. Grant was one for 13 on takedowns. The fight before that, Roman was one of 11 on takedowns. Leonardo Santos, if he wants to pull guard, maybe he does something weird like that. But if you just pressure the guy, he's a defensive striker, right? So he's going to be constantly backing up. You got to get in his face, work him against the fence. He will do some weird trips and stuff to try and get offensive takedowns on his own uh, against the fence. But Clay, he's too savvy for that stuff. He's a, too good of a wrestler, too good in his own jiu-jitsu. I think you just pressure, 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 make it ugly, win that typical Clay Guida fight. And I, I like Clay Guida to, uh, to win this fight the way that he always wins his fights. All right. Solid pressure for Clay, even though you acknowledge Leonardo's pretty much better everywhere. Danny boy, what are your thoughts here? I, I think I think this is Clay Guida's fight. I mean, uh, again, it comes down to game plan, but I think the line is way off. Um, I think Clay Guida, I don't think he needs to shoot a takedown. I think he needs to just strike. For the, I mean, Leonardo Santos, let's be honest, he was a power striker um, maybe 10 years ago, right? But his last fight, he you know he looked good, he looked tactical, but he looked he didn't look like anything that dominant, right? He didn't look like he was gonna he's gonna destroy Clay Guida, walk off KO, anything like that. Could catch him clean, you never know. But Clay Guida has looked better with his striking lately. I, I always talk about the Michael Johnson fight, like he was landing big shots in that fight in the striking exchange against Michael Johnson, and Michael Johnson is a good striker. 
a good wrestler. And I think he came, I mean, I know Michael Johnson, he's hit or miss, but I think he came in that fight ready to go. And, and Guida just outpaced him, surprised him with the striking ability. So I think if Clay Guida doesn't shoot a takedown for the first round and a half and just strikes, yeah, it could be some back and forth uh, exchanges. But by midway through the second round, beginning of the third round, Clay Guida is going to be putting it on him. And I think at that point he can do it however he wants. Takedowns, striking. I think this is a Clay Guida's fight. I think he should be the favorite, to be honest. Um, <coughs> cardio alone is, a, you know, a major, major edge. And, and Clay Guida hasn't been submitted. I mean, I know everyone talks about all the submissions, but like, Okay, his last submission was Charles Oliveira in 2018, right? Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't his last. Jim Miller, guillotine, okay? So, shoot and takedown gets caught in a guillotine. Charles Oliveira, shoot and takedown, probably gets caught in a guillotine. I don't think he should shoot. If he doesn't shoot and he strikes with this guy, Santos is probably not going to knock him out. Clay Guida is tough as tough as can be. And I think it's just a matter of letting him fade, and then you're going to turn over, and Guida could get the finish later on in the fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm on the other side of it. I see what you're saying. I would also argue that Clay Guida just lost a striking match with a straight-up wrestler. But, uh, you know, his his ridiculous pace, can his, it can be problems for anybody. So I, I'm not going to argue. He won anything. that fight, though, right? I, I saw part of it. I, I, I heard a lot of people say that he got robbed. Either way, it was way closer than it should have been because the analysis was if he keeps it striking, he dominates. Well, I think he was supposed to be dominated. I think Mark was a huge favorite. Yeah, Mark is an because Olympic guy. Who's, yeah. Yeah, right. Mark's an, an Olympic – the Olympian is his, actually, his name. But I think he's, yeah, yeah. A, uh, he's a Greco guy, right? Yeah. He only tried one single takedown because he felt like he was winning the striking. So I anyway. say he's a lot younger, but he's 37, which compared to 41, 42 actually is a lot younger. But pressure too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with anybody picking Clay Guida. That guy's cardio can get him through anything stupid tough. Even an exhausted, older, slow Clay Guida has, has better pace than most. So DraftKings, uh, my opinion, whatever side you're on, you guys obviously like Clay Guida, $7,400. I guess you can't really go wrong with that. $8,800 for Leonardo, That's it's high if you think you're going to get a stoppage. It's worth it, but that is a lot of money to spend if you don't think you're going to get a stoppage. Monkey knife fight? Man, uh, this is probably a less more situation, even though I think Leonardo Santos wins because Clay's pace is crazy, and I think Leonardo can win with, you know, with, with just slowing the pace down or trying to, getting a takedown, working from there. But I think Clay is going to get his shots off, so – Probably a less more type situation. What do you think, Jacob? I agree with that. Less more. Danny? Uh, I like less more. I think uh, Weed is going to pepper him. And Santos, probably not going to land 77 strikes. Yeah, well, it's uh, 77 is quite a bit. We want picks.com slash bets. Five different betting partners. Jump in, make a deposit. Let me know. I will send you $50, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it, as a thank you. If you want to play this monkey knife fight line, we want picks.com slash MKF. Make an account, create, or sorry, make an account, make a deposit. They will give you a free deposit match. Use the free money. You don't even have to use the real money. 
use the free money, play, get a feel for it, and go from there. The show is so much longer with a third person here, Danny. Man, All right. Jacob, you got to go, bro. We're <laughs> number two. Next up at UFC Vegas 44, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Rafael Fizayev versus Brad Riddell. Rafael Fizayev 10 and 1 overall, riding himself a nice little win streak. Brad Riddell 5 and 0 in his last five, riding a seven fight win streak, 10 and 1 as well. This should be an awesome fight. We have two great strikers in a razor thin stand-up war. Both of these guys have careers outside of the UFC in their respected combat sports. Brad is a kickboxer. Rafael as a Muay Thai striker. Rafael Fizayev is a phenomenal striker with traditional Muay Thai style. He has incredible power and volume. He typically doesn't have gas issues, but we did see him slow down big time and give up the third round to Bobby Green his last fight. He has great takedown defense at 100% in the UFC, but I don't think he'll necessarily need that in this fight. Brad is also a great striker with nice volume and big power. He's riding a seven-fight win streak and coming off of that great fight with Drew Dober where he showed not only how technical his striking is, but how tough he is too. Both of these guys are strikers. And if we look at the striking stats, Fizayev has higher output, but he also gets hit more. He has a one-to-one striking differential with over five significant strikes per minute where Brad is landing four and receiving three. So just a little bit cleaner on those exit. Brad is more of a pure boxer. Rafael is a Muay Thai striker. He was actually the Muay Thai coach at Tiger Muay Thai for a bit. I think Brad Riddell was as well for a, uh, a few minutes there. Um, Rafael has higher volume where Brad has more power. This is razor thin. I got to go with Fizayev here. I know we, we broke this down early last week. I said Fizayev. I've been leaning more towards Brad since then, but I'm going to stick with Rafael Fizayev. I think his volume and his diversity in strikes will be the difference. Brad sort of waits to land the perfect punch where Fizayev would have already landed a kick and entered the pocket while Brad was figuring out, should I shoot? Should I strike? Brad's power does have me nervous. This is a, a nice inside the distance, decision, no action type spot, and just pick whatever side you want to be on. Jakey boy, what are your thoughts in this razor-thin matchup? I agree. This is kind of a, just a, a flip the coin type of uh, situation here. I, I have in my notes, it's it's who can get their second win faster because both these guys, uh, you've seen some cardio issues from honestly for both of them in, in the third round, but they're both the guys that even when they're tired, they're still throwing wild punches are still moving forward. It's kind of funny. I mentioned it. We already had kind of a, a breakdown of this fight in, our, in a previous vi- uh, video, but uh, I mentioned the Fiziev. I watched the interview where he was talking about that. Um, that last fight. And he said, he literally said in the third round, I was dying. I was uh, completely dying. And he said, it doesn't make any sense to me because I work just as hard as everyone in the gym. I work harder than everyone in the gym. In the gym, I can go rounds, rounds, rounds. And then the, the quote I love uh, the most is because he says, I guess it's just my stupid brain. He says, I guess when I get in the fight, I just get too excited. I don't know how to pace myself. He just loves fighting that much that he just gets exhausted, and that's just what happens. So he, he trains hard, and he's got the cardio, but he just kind of blows his load uh, uh, early sometimes, and sometimes that happens, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with Fiziev, I was going to pick against him in this fight because he gets a little too wild, where, where Riddell, I think, is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more technical, and stays in that technical mind frame. 
But I think I'm going to pick Fiziev because he gets wild. Because I think that this 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 fight is going to be so back and forth. I think the judges can kind of get enthralled in the in the wild movements, right? Fiziev's strikes look like they're more intense because he's doing more wild stuff. He's the one that's going to be pressing forward. And even if Riddell is coming forward and Fiziev is tired, Fiziev is still going to be throwing wild stuff. And even if it, if it doesn't look like it lands or it looks a little bit weird, the judges are oohing and you hear the oohs and the odds in the crowd. That can affect judges' scorecards. So in a close fight, I'll take the guy that looks like he's having more fun at that, that looks like he's going to be the aggressive fighter. So I think this is a complete coin toss the whole way. It'll be interesting to see if Brad uses grappling, right? He came out the last fight, used his grappling. If he uses it in this fight and gives Rafael uh, issues, even if it drains his gas tank, you know, he's got another pack to victory. But I'm, I'm going to go Rafael and play and ride that train and then see what happens. I think this. I think we talked about this when we broke it down earlier. This is a perfect live betting situation. Because if Brad Riddell shoots a takedown and gets it, live bet the hell out of Brad Riddell. There's a clear path to victory there. If Brad Riddell shoots a takedown and gets stuffed, because Rafael has a 100% takedown defense so far, I'm betting the hell out of Rafael Fizayev live because Brad tried it, didn't get it. Now he's in some trouble. So it'll be interesting. They do have some history together. I think they had a very short period of time where they trained together. There was some overlap, so who knows. But Danny Boy, what? Are your thoughts here? This is the toughest one to call because, I, you know, at first I was like, man, I like uh, – well, first of all, I'm going to say I think they, they got the odds right. It, it's it's a close fight. Riddell and Fiziev are both good strikers. I give Fiziev the, the, the slight edge in striking. Um, Riddell has gotten some takedowns lately, but I watched tape on it. They weren't pretty. But the thing is I have no idea if Fiziev can defend takedowns. He's training at Sanford MMA, so I gotta imagine he's getting hundred percent takedown defense. Sorry. I know hundred. Everyone keeps saying hundred percent takedown defense. All right, like yeah. I think we argued about this last time. Like, who was the take? We went back and looked on the takedowns. I it looked like, it up, and I remember being correct. But sorry, go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. You remember being correct about hundred percent takedown? Yeah, I know. I agreed with that. But no, I'm just that, saying, like there was a few fights we defended, like four or five, but nobody knew who the guy was, so it didn't matter. Yeah, it was against. Uh, um, you know, Jamal White or somebody like some weird name that nobody knew. Anyways, um, I have no idea what's gonna happen in this fight. I'm, I'm kind of like, if the odds were a little bit better on Riddell, I'd be all over it. But I, I just don't know. So I, I'm gonna give a slight lean to Liddell, uh, to Riddell with just being plus money, I guess, at even and the 7900 DraftKings, but. I, I think they can both hang with each other on the feet striking. It's just a matter of whether or not Riddell's gotten better at his wrestling. Uh, you know, he certainly tried last fight, which is a good sign. Um, and he probably knows better than anybody if Fiziev can defend takedowns or not. The other X factor here now that has me second guessing that is Fiziev's training at Sanford MMA. So, you know, he's getting good training, good looks. So, I don't know. This is gonna be. I want. I want to learn more from this fight than anything. I want to see how Fizzy. I want to see some takedowns to see how Fizzy does. Because at some point, <laughs> I'm gonna make my money back from him against Moicano. Because I lost some money when Moicano Moicano fight him. I was like, oh, this is gonna be easy. He's gonna get a body lock, take him down, submit him. But he stood and struck with him, and Fizzy can freaking knock your head off. So. Um, <laughs> This is a tough one to call. I'll, I'll go with Riddell with the coin flip, just with the better odds. Jacob, are you spending the eighty three hundred bucks on Fizayev? I am. Then I'm not. 
if you are up. <laughs> Fair enough. By the way, M Bay had a good point. This could be one of those fights that everyone expects fireworks, and both yeah. guys knowing each other and tech, you know, strikers, technical strikers, they oh, could kind of. Uh, Rafael does not give a shit. Rafael is not going to be scared of anyone. He's going to throw bombs no matter. It's not what. scared. It's just kind of like waiting for your moment. I don't know. I could see no, that. He's going to throw bombs. <laughs> he's going to throw bombs. Rafael, there's no. I, I um, mentioned earlier. I, may, I was talking earlier about Cheyenne. Uh, how some people. What do you think about the uh, Nganu versus uh, Derek Lewis fight? You thought they were uh, going to throw bombs? I'm sure, right? The no, one that's couple, a, I mean uh, that's a little bit different than a, a, a 155 striker compared to knockout artists. Listen, I, I, I mentioned in the the Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Some people are just born to fight and just absolutely love fighting. Just fall in love with it. Some people are fighters and some people are fighters. And Rafael is a dude that is just a fighter. That he lives mean. and breathes and eats fighting. He's mean. Josh, thank you very much for the super chat. It is much, much appreciated. And hopefully you make all your money back following these picks. Guys, everybody else, we want picks.com slash. Oh, flying. Do you see that, Dan? What? What's that? In the chat, Angela's flying. You see that? Donation? Oh, I get it. Angela's shaped like a pear. <laughs> we want picks.com slash bets. Jump into one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know. I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and the channel. Guys, more, more, or less, less. On go, this that was you like 10 years ago. More, more. I, I have slimmed out. More, more, or less, less on the Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. Jake. More, more. Dan. More, more. All right. It's a hard line. I'm not touching it. Because more and more is like <laughs> not touching it. You gotta make a you gotta make a call. It's the monkey knife fight line. You gotta make a call, right? Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah. Help I mean, me. I'm not gonna bet more and more, but that, that would be my play. Well, listen, I only tell people what I do. Uh, I just don't know. I like more and more is like that's a very busy back and forth fight. And we did see how tough Brad Riddell is in his last fight. But I don't think either one of these guys are gonna absorb that many strikes. We've seen Rafael do it. He took a bunch of shots from uh bobby green i don't know if brad riddell can take 88 rafael fizayev shots i don't know if he can do that so uh, i guess less less he's not a powerhouse though he that was more like third round just physio get i mean get dead tired i didn't want to talk about that fight that was the fight we got screwed the judges, the five. Screwed i have a whole lot against physio personal personally even though it wasn't his fault no, we he, everything went exactly as we thought. Judges screwed us. Main event. Next up at UFC right. Vegas 44, we have the main event of the evening. We have Rob Font versus Jose Aldo. Rob Font's name is first, even though he's not the former champion, but he is the higher ranked fighter. Rob Font 19 and 4 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five, coming off of that really nice win. Over Cody Garbrandt, Jose Aldo, thirty and seven overall, two and three in his last fight, but should be three and two because of that really bad decision against Marlon Marias. Rob Font, he's a Northeast guy like Dan and myself. He's gritty, he's tough, he is technical. Rob has solid power, a solid chin, great boxing, and a really good get-up game. He is primarily a boxer. He doesn't kick often. Uh, but he doesn't need to because his hands are so clean and fast that he can enter and leave the pocket before most fighters know what happened, and he doesn't need to set that up or distract with kicks. 
If we look at his stats, he has fantastic volume and a striking differential of three to two. I picked Font over Marlon Marias last year, and honestly, I see a lot of similarities between Font and Marias and Font fighting Jose Aldo. At this point, everybody should know who Jose Aldo is. The greatest 145-pounder of all time. This fight is at 135, but Jose Aldo is the greatest 145-pounder of all time. I don't care about the Max Holloway conversations. He's a longtime champion. He's good everywhere. He's a great counter-striker with technical Muay Thai, great BJJ, very good wrestling. His leg kicks and counter-striking are an absolute nightmare for almost everyone, but he is aging. He's got a lot of miles on him, and he is much older than what Tapology tells you, much older. The legend goes he had no birth certificate when it was time to go you know, get what he needed to move and fly and travel. He didn't have a birth certificate, so he had to go get one. They said, well, when were you born? And he just made up an age. So he's about five to ten years older than what the stats say. Ten years older? Jesus. He, I think he's 67 think he's years 45 old. 45 years old? I'm pretty sure he's 67. The story gets different every time Angelo tells it. He's going to be 20 years older. Take it out. Don't, I, I didn't lie on government documents. That wasn't me. If we didn't just watch. Arrested and deported. <laughs> if we didn't just watch Jose absolutely dismantle Pedro Munoz, this would be like the easiest pick. I would go Rob Font, no problem. Jose's seen better days, you know. But he looked phenomenal in that fight. He looked young and fresh in that fight. And he was a man on a mission. And this is another razor-thin fight. I need to go with Font here. You know, Pedro, like Font, high-volume, come-forward guy. And and Jose was able to shut him down, which worries me here. But I just don't think Rob Font will freeze up like Pedro did. I think Font marches forward, has the volume, stays busy, touches up Jose. Basically the exact same game plan that Max Holloway had when he beat Jose. We've seen Jose gas before, and this is five rounds, not three. So it's tricky because Jose Aldo has more tools to win with, but I do think Font uses just literally a nonstop jab to keep um, Aldo just a step behind him. But if Aldo comes out here, uses his leg kicks like he did when he fought Uriah uh, Faber back in the day, then I'm going to look really, really stupid on Saturday. But I'm going with Font here. Crazy close fight. Jose Aldo is a straight-up legend. Jakey Poo, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going Aldo, and I, I agree. If this was three rounds, I'd be all in on Aldo. Five rounds, I, I'm a little bit more reluctant. I think the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Rob Font. I think the key for, for Jose Aldo in this fight is leg kicks and level changes. I, I think if he just straight up tries to box Rob Font, he could have some, some success early, but I think he probably fades late. Um, he's got to mix in some takedowns. You saw Garbrandt had success with the takedowns. He couldn't really hold them down. But he was able to, you know, you know, win rounds. He was still getting beat up, but uh, Jose's not going to get beat up as much as Garbrandt was. And he also saw late in that fight, Garbrandt had some real success with uh, going to the body and then the head. Uh, Garbrandt's one of those people that has the speed that he can really mix in those quick combos of, boom, you know, body head, boom, boom, with those three, four punch combos. Where Jose is exact same build as as Garbrandt in in regard to the speed and precision in that striking. So I want to see a lot of leg kicks, uh, a few level changes each round. Uh, and, and work the body of Rob Font and really try and slow him down, slow down that jab. You do that with the leg kick, speed up that lead leg, go to the body, uh, that jab doesn't get quite as sharp, and then you can find a way to win uh, maybe in that third 
uh, round if you if, if you beat him up enough. But the longer this fight goes, I think it favors Rob Font. I'm going with Jose. Uh, I, I don't love the play, uh, but I just think he's so savvy and such a veteran. And he seems like he's really dedicated to this camp. I think after his last fight, he even went and worked with a bunch of boxers and stuff to really improve and, and tighten up his boxing, knowing that he was going to uh, fight that Rob Font with, with that jab. So I, I'll see some increased head movement with Jose, some leg kicks, some level changes, and he, he can win. I don't love it, but he's going to be my pick. Well, this is another one where the brain is going with font, but I guarantee as soon as they touch gloves, I'm just, my whole body is just going to be rooting for Jose Aldo. Jill, thank you so much for the donation. Very, very appreciated. And same to you, Joey. Joey's birthday is this Saturday for the fights. Thank you very much. You said after font gets this win, I'll love to see Rob Font versus Max Holloway at some point in strength strike, insane striking match. Thank you very much. Danny boy, what are your thoughts? Man, this is a tough one. I mean, if you asked me this before uh, the Munoz fight, I'd say Rob Font all day. I still think Rob Font is going to win this fight because it's a five-round fight. But, man, Jose Aldo surprised me last fight. I thought he was going to lose that fight. I thought that was going to be the fight where we started to see kind of the end of Jose Aldo. And he shocked me. He was on point. He looked great against an unbelievable fighter. So... Man, I can't, I can't count him out. I like him. I, I like Jose Aldo. If he gets to that plus one fifty ish mark again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him in some sort of bet. Uh, I want him to win. I'm rooting for him. I just have a feeling Rob Font is gonna be younger. It's gonna be close early, um, but I think later on Rob Font's gonna, gonna, gonna win the fight and eat on the fourth and fifth round. I can see this being a split decision with a ba- bunch of back and forth uh, exchanges. And I just see Jose Aldo being a little bit, little bit, a little slower. You know, a couple punches less, and Rob Font taking a close one. So, hope I'm wrong. Hope Jose wins, but I don't know. It's a tough one to call. Yeah, and I'm with you. I I guarantee, as soon as this fight starts, just every part of me is going to be rooting for Jose Aldo immediately. That, that guy's the best. I just. I think it's just a tricky matchup. Youth, speed, jab. It's just a lot going for him. And actually, the line he comes out and looks great again in this fight. Then we're going to have to start telling the story differently. That he lied about his uh, he's age. Yeah. He's, he's 10 years younger. So just next time we'll tell it that way. He's a pro saying, fighting Jacob? at 12 years old. Jacob, he's what are you saying about 15, the line? Guys. He's got uh, a long line, career ahead of him. Yeah, the line's moving the other way. He's at plus 115 now, Aldo is. Yeah, it's getting tighter. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, DraftKings, I imagine whatever side you're on, I think Font's a, a good price at 84. Aldo's definitely a really good price at 78. It's five rounds. I saw, uh, who said that in the comments? Jill, Bay. one of you said, uh, if this, oh, Jill did. You said, if it goes to a decision, it won't be good for DraftKings because it's all stand-up. You know, I do think it, it is still five rounds. We're talking 8,400 bucks, 7,800 bucks. Even in a striking decision win, you could probably still get, you know, 80, 90 points out of it. So they may be worth it depending what your lineup looks like. Jake, you have uh, Aldo in your lineup at 7,800. That's a great price. Uh, no. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I already have. I, we mentioned earlier, I, have, I think a $7,100 fighter and a $6,600 fighter. I don't need Aldo in there. The rest will be they have, they have a line yet for Jared Bandera, my boy. 
Not yet. Not in DraftKings. There is a betting line. Oh, I picked God. them. We're not going backwards, Dan. We're not going backwards. Uh, I'm sorry, Nadal. I'm sorry. We had this discussion. This. We'll have to edit this, this out. We bro- I broke the protocol. I'm sorry. We Plus 175 for Bandera. Guys, Ooh. the monkey knife. Yeah, he cuts to 265. He's fighting a small, light heavyweight. Vandera should be a plus 400. Guys, we are <laughs> the monkey knife fight line, 137. Hey, let's talk about Bellator. You want to know about Bellator? And you're muted. Okay. Just to clear that problem for everybody. The monkey knife fight line, Jacob, we got 137 and 105. What are your thoughts there? I think Font had like 180 total strikes versus Garbrandt or something like that. I could see this fight the exact same way. And it could even be more because obviously he had to, to deal with the takedowns versus Garbrandt. Aldo could take him down if he wants to. I just don't know if he's going to. I think this could be like – could honestly could break records. Uh, with these two strikers, the way they strike, it could break striking records. Obviously, I think you know Max probably has those those records or whatever. Yeah. But, um, and this could be wild. This could be like both close to 200 strikes. I, I agree. I think more and more is definitely the play. I mean, obviously, either one of them could get knocked out. Like they both, Jose is a little older, right? Rob could just jab him up, knock him out. It's almost what Piotr did, just take a little longer because they're not the same power. And Jose can just catch Rob on an entry because his counter striking is so good. But I do think it goes the distance or close to it. More and more for me, Dan, stop talking trash about me in the live chat and just. Very quickly, more, more, less, less. What are your thoughts on the monkey knife fight strike line? Oh, very quickly. In that case, let's break down each fighter's attributes. You know, I'll just mute you, and that's the end of it. You know how I operate. I'll go right back to the chat and just, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're holding back uh, me from giving the people tips that are going to make them money. Kyoji Horiguchi, Bellator, Friday night, easy money, people. Um, I'm going to go with, I don't know, more, more. Yeah. All right. Just great insight there. Appreciate that. Um, so you I said very quick. <laughs> no, this is an awesome main event. In all seriousness, this is a fantastic fight. You know, it's better for the division if Rob Font wins. It's better for the fans if Jose Aldo wins because that guy has given so much to us. And it'd be Who awesome. Says it's better for the division because you want to build Jose up young. Have, I, Jose honestly could have a Glover type run at the end of his career where he challenges for the title again. It's a new division. He's looked fine. I think you have a Glover type run and challenge for the title again. I I, I would love that. I just young. Well, you, well, you said it'd be better for you, so you're contradicting yourself. I do. I do. Either way, thank you all very much. Go to wewantpicks.com/bets. I've said this 100 times, but if you make a deposit with any of our five online betting partners. We will go ahead and send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and supporting our partners. Wheelpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, let us know, and I'll pay you 50 bucks. It is literally that simple. Cash app, Venmo, PayPal, however you want it. Thank you all very much. Keep this conversation going on our Discord. Ping pong. On our Discord. Their link is in the description. Thank you all very much. I don't know what kind of live streaming we'll do Saturday, but... I'll let you know. We'll see you then. Full final recap videos on Friday. See you guys. Uh, Dan, uh, say goodbye to the people, please. Later, everybody. Kyoji Oraguchi parlayed with ping pong, uh, badminton, and I hit three legs of a four-leg parlay. All football. Complete guesses. Just throwing darts. I won won big on Mike Perry this weekend, baby. Mikey. I saw that. 
Mikey. Shut it down. Thanks, guys. All seriousness, thank you all very much. Oh, we're still live. Thanks.